For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Damien English, the Minister of State of the Department of Enterprise, um, has admitted that he gave incorrect information to a local authority. He was making a planning application to build a house in rural Ireland some years back. Uh, the Ditch carried this story online yesterday and it subsequently led to um, the uh, resignation of Damien English as a junior minister. So that doesn't make uh, the printed newspapers this morning, but it certainly makes the online ones. One story, of course, and, and it's good news, although there's a long road ahead uh, for Alejandro Mizan and his family. He was in the papers yesterday, obviously, because he's home from hospital. Uh, and there's some articles this morning that, that follow up, chatting with, with family members. I will come back to this uh, a little later on and chat with his brother Raul, but uh, the nine-year-old is home in Enniscorthy, savagely attacked uh, back on November 27th and badly mauled by a pit bull uh, that was loose on the housing estate um, and he suffered awful injuries, facial, not just facial injuries but to other parts of the body as well uh, and apparently in, in, a, in a lovely way of trying to uh, you know, reintegrate him in, in the best way that they think possible they bought him a dog teddy um, the family have bought Alejandro a dog teddy to try and help him overcome fears of dogs but they don't know at this stage how he'll react when he actually sees a dog uh, he's quoted in The Independent this morning as saying, I wish I had my face back, uh, the poor little lad. Um, so he's only nine years old and, and obviously this is a new world to him and he has to deal with his injuries and more trips back to hospital and what have you. He suffered very severe injuries and I think we all know that there'll be a long road to recovery. So that makes many of the papers today. More on that uh, a little later on this morning. Um, but um, can I just say that it's a year uh, after the killing of Ashling Murphy. And of course, that shocked the nation. Liz Dunphy carries the story in the Examiner this morning. Um, and I know that hundreds of people are expected to gather in Tullamore today to mark that first anniversary of the killing of Ashling Murphy. And um, sadly, there's been way too many deaths and way too many deaths of women. And uh, of course, with regards to Ashling Murphy, she's she was 23 years old, primary school teacher. She was jogging along the bank of the Grand Canal in County Offaly in January of last year. And of course, she had her life taken from her, uh, murdered, killed. Um, sadly, though, there have been a further 11 women have died in violent circumstances uh, a year uh, after the killing of Ashley Murphy. That, that is... That is a shocking statistic that 11 more violent deaths since Ashling's death uh, a year ago. And they're among, those 11 deaths are among 254 women who died violently in Ireland since 1996. And two-thirds of them were killed in their own homes. I mean, you need to just take a, a moment to actually take that in. That it, Particularly in, in the years since Ashling has died, there's been 11 more uh, deaths of women in violent circumstances in Ireland. Uh, the papers this morning talk of Michael Flatley, who's battling cancer. Um, the disease, sadly, is aggressive, but he's a fighter, is Michael Flatley. He makes the front of many of the red tops today. Flatley battles cancer, for instance, on the front of the star. Um, and uh, he's asking people for prayers, and he's going through all of the treatments necessary. Um, and uh, everybody, of course, would wish him well in that. And, of course, yesterday um, there was um, the farewell of the, and of course the family, the heartbroken family were there, never mind the amount of friends and, and colleagues from sport and, and media and broadcasting for the burial of the broadcaster Paddy Palmer. Uh, and many were fighting back tears yesterday, including family members who were talking about uh, how the family has been lost forever. 
Of course, Paddy died. He was the victim in a hit and run. Um, and he battled and battled uh, for a long time in hospital, uh, but sadly uh, passed away and was buried yesterday. Paddy was so looking forward to seeing his grandson grow up is a story on the same man in this morning star today as he was laid to rest yesterday and there's many photographs making the papers um, he gave he had the gift to give joy and i think that's a very good quote from somebody at the at the funeral yesterday and sport does just that doesn't it um, by and large sport is a unifier uh, and it is a time of celebration and to work within sport and to be a sports broadcaster it must be a wonderful thing uh, to know that your job is making a difference for the better. And I think that's what he did all through his career. All too often, uh, you pick up a newspaper and it's bad news and it's sad news. And I understand that bad news sells, but they put the fear of God into you, wouldn't they? With the amount of negativity that's out there. He wasn't of that um, genre, if you like, uh, because what he did was a positive thing. Uh, the love of sports and the sharing of sport commentary and sport writing. I like this idea from Ted Tynan. He's talking about free buses on Leaside. Now, I don't know who would pick up the tab for it, but that's the kind of thinking that we need, a free bus service. And some of the councillors, actually, in Cork City Council are going along with this to the point that uh, they're going to get in touch now with the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, to see if he might decide a pilot initiative of free bus travel to be rolled out in the city. I don't know who, as I say, who'd be paying bus errand for it, but I think it'd be a novel move, wouldn't it, that you could jump on and off all sorts of buses and what have you free of charge. Don't know... (laughs) I don't know what the taxi drivers would feel about that. But anyway, and then there's an interesting story that won on appeal. Um, This is a very interesting story indeed, because it's a motorist who was convicted uh, of a drink driving offence and had a two-year driving ban um, and uh, appealed it and and won on the appeal, actually. 31-year-old Lucy McGuire, she's from Waterford. Now, she was convicted of driving the driving offence, driving while drunk, fined 400 euro and disqualified from driving for a period of two years. But she appealed it. And interestingly, she won the appeal. Um, She said that uh, and had proved actually in court uh, to the judge's satisfaction that she had been assaulted and was in fear at the time. And she only drove the car to get away from the assailant. Now, there's no talk in the papers as to what who the assailant was or what that involved, apart from the fact that evidence was given, uh, that uh, the judge referred to evidence of the assault where Miss Maguire was at one stage grabbed by the throat and she ran away in fear from the scene of the assault. All she knew was that she needed to be out of there. She got into her car and drove around the car park, eventually realised that she had too much to drink uh, and that she shouldn't have been driving and she pulled in. But the guards saw her and came over at that stage. But um, who could argue with the woman uh, who did what she did if she was getting away from somebody who had their hands around her throat? So the judge saw sense in that uh, and she won her appeal. It's an interesting one from the courts yesterday. But there was another one in the papers also. And this is up the country of a burglar, apparently, um, a judge who said it is absolutely extraordinary in Ireland that the state would be paying disability benefit to a burglar because he's lactose intolerant. I didn't know that lactose intolerant would uh, tick the box for the criteria to get a disability payment, but apparently um, it does. And the judge said, I'm sure that the taxpayer will be delighted to know the Department of Social Welfare is paying disability benefit for lactose intolerance. Be interesting to drill into disability benefit uh, a bit deeper to see what other kind of things like lactose intolerance 
which is an intolerance to dairy, I think, isn't it? Uh, I mean, you could still get out there, work, get on with your life and avoid, and avoid dairy, I suppose. But anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Cork Bureau reporting yesterday, more thuggery. I mean, you couldn't make this up, right? The guards had to go to um, Jacob's Island, apparently, because eight cars were smashed up by thugs the night before last. This is down in Jacob's uh, Island, um, and eight cars were broken into. Eight cars had their windows shattered. I've even some, seen some photographs, not one or two, but eight of them with glass all over the place, damage done to even the ignitions of the cars and stuff like that. It's a story that makes um, uh, Cork. In fact, one fellow whose car was destroyed says, I'm, I'm without a car now for a long, long time. It's a Japanese import. It's going to take ages for those parts to come in. So that criminal damage made, made Corpio. Um, also, I know I mentioned this, uh, what day is today? Thursday. We're talking about this on, on Monday as to whether there could be strike action by nurses. The Echo this morning is saying that nurses in Cork are to be balloted all, all over the country. So obviously it would include Cork. But the headline in the Echo today says potential industrial action for Cork nurses, depending on how that national vote will go. But other health-related matters are quite interesting because there's a study done by uh, Trinity College that makes the mail today. It's the front page. The headline says too many first-time mothers are having C-sections. And that's interesting for a couple of different reasons. One is they're saying way too many women are having C-sections or being told to have or advised to have C-sections because doctors are fearing litigation or being sued, right? Um, in the event of something going wrong with a natural birth. Others are saying it's just more convenient to have a C-section. But check this one out in this morning's Independent where apparently a huge influence in doctors deciding to do cesarean sections is the fact that so many first-time mothers in Ireland are, quote, fat, old and short, according to an obstetrician uh, who has told research in this new study. Uh, so this is one of the reasons this obstetrician says that there's more of a rise in C-sections. New mums are fat, short and old. That's not going to go down well with women or pregnant women. Um, other paper stories this morning include Mallow, which apparently is the county or town, I should say, in Ireland that's most interested in British monarchy. Don't ask me how, but um, a digital company did a deep dive into um, uh, Google searches in Ireland regarding Harry and Meghan and the royal family. And they found that Mallow is most interested in the British monarchy. Why would that be? Would Mallow be more interested? Does that mean that Mallow people will buy more copies of the book Spare? Um, Because even though they're saying that this is the biggest selling hardback... (laughs) Since the, since the invention of news, since the invention of printed paper, others are saying that copies of Prince Harry's memoir aren't flying off the shelves. You don't have to believe in this. I heard in the first day, four hundred thousand copies of the hardback were sold. But apparently, Colin Farrell will never ever have a problem uh, with running out of crunchy nut cornflakes because. Kellogg's have got in touch with him to say that he has now got a lifetime supply of Kellogg's crunchy nut cornflakes. Um, they have even given him a hotline so he can call the hotline if he ever runs out or runs short. Uh, if you're following the story, of course, um, you know, when he was living up in Ackle, he was sharing uh, with the with the fellow actor Barry Kilhan. They had their own place because they wanted to stay away from everybody and they're, you know, they, they don't drink anymore, so... 
they were staying fit and healthy and running and, and living together. But apparently, it would appear Barry was eating all of the crunchy night cornflakes and leaving nothing for Colin Farrell in the morning. Um, and they're lovely crunchy nut cornflakes the Kellogg's ones are lovely the Aldi ones are lovely the Lidl ones are lovely the Dunn's ones are lovely but they're not great for if you're having them every single day I get a box of Kellogg's crunchy nut cornflakes once a year and that's at Christmas time so you're damn sure the Kellogg's won't be giving me any free boxes of Kellogg's crunchy nut cornflakes but the other story of course from Banshee is Jenny the donkey and now the Irish donkey sanctuary down in Liz Carroll uh, make the front of the examiner because they've invited Colin Farrell down um, to visit and of course I talk with the donkey sanctuary regularly enough on the air over the years and they've seen quoting the examiner article from Owen English today the donkey sanctuary say, see, say we see a lot of neglect and abandonment of a lot of donkeys who are not cared for properly so isn't it great to have a story now sadly Jenny the donkey dies chokes on fingers in the film I know sorry even saying that uh, but everybody's fallen in love with Jenny the donkey and the papers also this morning talk about the death of uh, Jeff Beck incredible guitar player at the age of 78 more about that a little later on this morning and they're also talking today about more people expecting to live well longer firstly so if you're going to live longer why shouldn't you work longer why should it be a case that when you're 65 you just have to hang it up and just walk away I mean work as long as you want when you're ready to quit I would have thought that's the time to do it and they're also saying that this is the time of the year when we'll beat the blues by eating our way through copious amounts of comfort food across January and what what is the food that rockets in January? Pizza, chocolate and Chinese food. The most popular meals and snacks to perk us up. Followed be burgers, fried chicken and the full Irish breakfast. They're the ones for you. Um, and apparently January. Was it last Monday is the most depressing Monday of the year? Or is it next Monday? It's one or the other. They say that Monday is the worst because the month is so damn long. And of course, uh, you know, there's so much of a gap between, um, you know, paydays. Anyway, there's that and lots more besides. We'll come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. I mentioned uh, in the papers this morning that uh, Alejandro Misan is home and the family are delighted to have him home. And I was talking on air yesterday morning of uh, a big, beaming, smiling photograph of all of the family with Alejandro back in the family home in Enniscorthy, County Wexford. He's got a long battle ahead of him. Um, and the story makes the papers again today. Now, the one of the really lovely things about this story is the GoFundMe that was set up uh, to raise funds to help the family. And God knows they're going to need it. And certainly... Um, Alejandro is going to need it. And that, last time I checked, had raised over €180,000. And that shows the generosity of Irish people who are really touched by this awful, awful incident that happened to him when he was out playing with his pals. I'm joined by his brother Raul who just took some time to chat with us this morning and I know it's difficult for the family because there's an awful lot of media interest in this. So Raul, good morning and thank you so much for taking the call. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, good morning. Thank you very much. For you're very me. kind. You're very kind. You really are, because I know that you're worn out from it, and you've been very, very patient with people. So thank you for that. It must be great to have Mizan home, Alejandro Mizan yeah. home. Yeah, it's uh, it's very nice. It's, like I said before, it's a dream come true for us, and we like to thank God because He listened to all our prayers and He's back alive. This is what really matters to us at this time. Yeah, yeah, because there was an awful lot of injury um, and 
he spent a long time in hospital. Were you very worried? Was it touch and go? It was. Uh, of course, we were very worried. Um, we're just very, very happy that he's he's home now and he's he's with us. And as as you know, there's a very long uh, road ahead of him. Will we're that just beside him? Yeah. Will that involve a lot of hospital visits? I wonder, Raúl. Yes. Yes. Lots. Lots. And um, I know there is very good uh, doctors here in Ireland, but just in case we will need another option, we need a second option as well. And I know the doctors in here will fix them, but just in case, we will have another option. Maybe we'll fly to uh, America or I know, I know. Uh, yeah. Turkey. Yeah, because there's extensive treatment needing going for, needed going forward, um, including I read in the papers this morning things like a, a lip replacement. But are, are the surgeons saying that he's so young that maybe a lot of the scarring will, will, will just disappear in time, we hope? Yes, yeah, but... Um, yeah, because he's, he's so young, but just uh, we will go for a, a scar treatment as well at some stage. Mm-hmm. I know there was a huge re- welcome back in the in the estate where you live. Is is that the case? Many of the neighbours came around, delighted to see him home again. Yeah, yeah, and all the kids are always in in the house playing with my brother. Everybody was uh, they did something amazing for my brother. They. They welcome home. They welcome him home in a in a very special way. I was surprised as well, and there is no words I can describe how thankful me and my family we are to all the neighbors and the community what they done for us. Yeah. Not only when he come home, like all this journey, they were beside my family. Do you you've been you've been very much front and center talking on behalf of the family in fairness to you and I do appreciate that as I say is is there any chance that he will go back to school anytime soon or does the treatment prevent all of that um he really wants to go to school but he said in an interview maybe you heard that he's kind of afraid to go back to school because of those the looks of the way he looks mm. But we encourage him to go back to school because nobody going to say nothing to him. Uh, but for the moment, um, he can't really go to school now because he still have uh, he has a tube on his stomach that helps him eat. So that will take around six months to recover. And uh, well, we will have a teacher at home. We will have somebody to because we don't want him to lose nothing from school. Yeah. So if it's possible, if you can arrange this uh, to get a teacher to the house and, you know, put him with, with everybody. So, so he can stay up with his schoolwork, of course. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I know, I know. That's very important. Um, and also, psychologically, I suppose, people will be watching after him as to how he's feeling emotionally, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. How is he emotionally? Does he chat with you about it? Oh, um, sorry, I didn't understand. No, that's okay. Yeah. You're grand. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's... Uh, He's doing fine, but just mentally, he's mentally and physically, he's he's not okay. You know, um, we are not okay either mentally. Um, and just now, he's he's kind of happy because in two weeks' time, it's it's his birthday. Yeah. And we just uh, we didn't have him for Christmas after New Year home. We're just very very happy that we have him. Uh, we have him home for for his birthday. So you was have, you would have visited every day, of course, and your mum and dad were by his bedside all of the time. Um, did you visit like Christmas Day? What would Christmas Day normally be like for the family? Like everybody else, but for us, it was nothing. It was just a normal day. We didn't feel like it was Christmas. 
So his birthday would be an opportunity to, in for want of a better word, to maybe to try and celebrate, wouldn't it? That he survived yeah. and that he's on a the long road to recovery. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. It. That's the plan. Do, do you recall the events of what happened? Were, were you there on the day? No, I wasn't there. I don't live with my parents. I have, I have a different house. Um, I just got on call, and when I was there, you know, it was, it was. I was in shock. You know, everybody was in shock. So when I seen my brother's face, I was beside him all the time. My father and my mother they just couldn't stay beside him because to see the, his face like that, I know, it was just something terrible. I was beside him all the time, and then my mother, my mother and my father were were beside him all the time. Oh no, I know, I know. And tell me, um, I, I did read this morning that that, that you you bought um, uh, is it is it a little is it a toy little doggy is it a, a teddy dog? Yeah, so I just wanted to see his reaction. Um, to the teddy, he has no problem. Well, I don't know how it will be when he will see a dog on the street. Oh my God! How he would react to it? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't know. Yes. Yeah, because I appreciate the the impact on his his face and 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 other parts of his body, obviously, and the injuries that were done. But psychologically, it's, it's going to be very traumatic for him. It really and truly is. And I hope that he doesn't suffer with nightmares going forward. Um, and I hope that he gets help with with all of that. Um, do you do you have any do you have any thoughts on the, the on the dangerous dogs that all too often are kept in family homes? Although they're supposed oh. to be banned. I would like to say no comment, please. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, we'll leave that one. Okay. Well, listen, I just wanted to reach out and uh, on behalf of everybody that's listening to us here in Cork to wish the family well and indeed Alejandro well going forward. He seemed like a very, very close-knit family. Yeah. Thank so you very much for you're having welcome. me yourself. Look after, sure. look after yourselves, and in particular, Alejandro. Thank you so much for taking the call, Raul. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks. All the, best, the all the best. All the best. And can I just also mention that that GoFundMe is actually at 186,000 and very soon will hit 187,000. And you heard about the possibility of having to go to America, perhaps, for surgery, perhaps go to Turkey for surgery and other places like that. So that money is badly needed going forward uh, for uh, Alejandro. Um, and the GoFundMe is open. It's called Just Playing With His Friends. Been 6,800 donations already. Just Playing With His Friends on GoFundMe. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Um, and I thought so with the entire family. Yesterday we were talking a lot about um, price increases of alcohol because uh, Guinness, Diageo have followed uh, Heineken and put their prices up and will do so, of course, on the 1st of February. A lot of people then were getting in touch with different prices of of pints and what have you across different areas of the city and the county. Big response to that. Always the price of the pint does generate quite an amount of conversation and also hair coursing from yesterday's programme um, as to whether or not it should be banned. There was a vote in Cork County Council uh, by the Green Party trying to 
um, get a motion passed that they would get uh, hair coursing banned and it was very, very heavily defeated. So we've got texts and calls on that as well throughout the course of the morning. But I just want to just catch up with the story that one of the stories that we had before Christmas, particularly with regards to the elderly and people living alone who were in need of help. And uh, sadly, well, in a good way, it's good that people get in touch with me and uh, we hear of these stories from concerned neighbours. And then there's an opportunity to try and help. And we have a lot of success with that. A lot of the time with regards to the elderly, we reach out to the advocate for the elderly, Paddy O'Brien, who is uh, amazing when it comes to helping people out who need help or might know how to turn to get help. And in one particular case in the Blackpool area, uh, we were all alarmed with one particular story. And Paddy joins me by phone. Paddy, good morning. Yes, good morning, Neil. Um, and this uh, is a story from around about mid-November. Can you just can you just recap on the lady's situation for people that may not okay, recall? Okay, the lady was living alone in pawning conditions. She didn't couldn't go up the stairs. She had, um, used to sleep on the on, on the floor. And uh, thanks to Red FM, over the year you did a shot. We got her in a television. We got a boiler in. I repaired her boiler. Her door repaired. But what I did on that day, on that particular day. The was a community welfare officer running the program, and then I in turn met her the following day, the fifteenth, and she did, and she saw the appalling state herself. And she how appalling was the the living conditions? Could I, it was what couldn't be worse. Everything was thrown on the place. It was like a rubbish heap. Yeah, it was the worst ever I've seen in my whole life. It's like a rubbish dump. That's how I could put it now. Yeah, yeah. like a rubbish dump. So. This girl, the, the lady herself, the welfare officer, was very helpful. I met her at 9 o'clock on the 15th. And she, the following morning, brought a social worker out from the health board. Yeah. And what was discussed then with me as well, and I wasn't there on the second visit, was that this lady, to get any quality of life, would get a medical card, meals and wheels, public health nurse, the bed brought downstairs, the house tidied up. I went on your programme here on the 21st of November, I told the listeners of Cork uh, that the situation was that the wheels were in motion. Yeah. And that day he was going to have a good life and we all looked forward to Christmas. The first week not only happened, the second week, but Paddy O'Brien was up on the whole time to bring her down soup from O'Reilly's Delhi and, uh, and World Coast Road. Yeah. Doing for job in the second week. Because she wasn't, was she not cooking, Paddy, no? No, no, she couldn't. She couldn't cook. And I go to the shop for her, and I told Seamus yesterday, she loved jam. She'd buy jam. She'd only buy a half pound of jam every every every, every week. And what was she but, surviving on a daily basis? Did you find she was getting some? She was to do something, but how I don't know. But at the end, when you finished off speaking through the window, I should speak speak to it in, in in the window. She'd have bread. Oh, she she'd have bread, but she never went for anything of substantial. That and, uh, and so that maybe bread and jam. Yeah, bread and jam. Yeah, okay. Jim across the road then once went up for um, uh, a chicken, <laughs> a bag of chips and, and a burger. So I was ringing, 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 and I eventually contacted the social workers and, and, and nothing happened. By the way, this lady was promised that she'd have a doctor. She fell out her doctor. She was told she'd have a doctor. And then she was told she'd get her medication. Her medication has was not uh, reviewed for weeks and weeks and weeks because she had the, the, the medical card. Something happened to the medical card. And she just promised everything and anything. Right. And I was sure she would be all about all her situation. How before. old did you, I mean, you don't have to pin so down. I would say, my life was she was in her 70s. Right, okay. The lady was in her 70s. And again, I can't overstress 
how awful and desperate the situation was. And at the end, I contacted the welfare officer again, which was out whole area because they're up to the health board, and I said... There was one person from the health board called to see was she okay during that awful weather we had for Christmas. And I just had to say to myself, as a result of all, nothing happened, by the way. Nothing happened. Nobody called to see her until she was shipped to hospital on last Sunday night. And why did she have to go in, do you know? Now, that question, I don't know. But on a, a Sunday night, going over where they were already lots of waiting, uh, waiting uh, patients going in. And the question I'm asking myself ever since, and I'm very, very annoyed and disappointed across with the, the health board, is that I'm calling this lady Mary. That's not her name. But are many, are many, I wonder over how many more Marys are throughout the city or throughout this county being treated that way. I mean, I called, I rang, I rang the office, the head office, looking for a public nurse. And I was told after three weeks, don't ever ring this number again, you, looking for a public health nurse called to a case, because you're not a doctor. That, they're the words. Right. Yeah. They are the words. Yeah. Uh, you, can refer, you can't refer cases. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to mention the person. So the ma- no, I don't I want to know. No, no, it's no, just no, a health, just fi- health official is fine. No, but, no, so no, so no. members of the public, and you, of course, with a very, very... Um, very strong track record in advocating for the elderly. But yeah. are they saying that members of the public should not intervene if they see need or want? Yeah, well, that's what I said. I, I said I wasn't getting involved in trying to know what her health situation was. Anything about the lady. What I wanted to do was this, to draw your attention to the fact that a woman could be found dead any day. Yes. I said, over the last few weeks, I'm up and down, see, is she alive? Is she alive? And you and were I told, was, Kat, you were, you're saying this category, you were told, don't call this number again. I was, that was the last sentence. That was the last sentence, don't, don't call this number. Don't but we're always number. being told that community intervention is important and look out for your neighbours and check on the elderly. So that goes against that. It, it, and and, and, that, and that, is, that is for definite. And the thing is, it took, it, it took so long. No, I, I have to say one thing. I have to thank the, the officer from the, the community welfare officer. She, she was very helpful. Um, the day after day after the interview, we met at 9 o'clock that morning. Yeah. And she saw the situation. And then she handed over then to the HSA. Okay, but she, that was, that's, in, in, in three days' time, in two days' time, it will be... Two months. In, it will be two months. Yeah, two months. That's it now, two months. I mean, speaking about, um, when I said on um, the 21st November, a week after the, the, the social workers called into their house, I was saying the wheels are in motion. But I didn't realize at that particular time that the wheels moved that slowly. It's, it it's not a case that this elderly woman doesn't want the help, is it? Or, or that, you know, no disrespect well, for that she might be difficult. Yeah. Now, I discussed that with the welfare officer, and I said, look, um, she might be, may not be able to speak for herself, maybe at times because she was a strange lady. But at the same time, she should not be allowed, all rules should be broken to get her out of that awful environment. Mm. It is not because she wants it. No, I don't know if she said this or not, but it's not because she said uh, that we must stick to that. This lady is in need of all, kind, all kinds of help all kinds of help. And seemingly that she wasn't some form of medication, but uh, over the last few months, she has been on, has been on the medication. So and she was, was even asking me about an inhaler. An inhaler was in question as well. But, she, but thankfully that she's in hospital, but it's just regrettable and very... Is she in hospital now? Pardon? Is she in hospital now? 
Oh, she's in hospital now. Yeah, yeah. she's in hospital. She's so wouldn't that be? Wouldn't this be a really great opportunity to go in and sort out the house? Oh, yeah, and that will be for that will be for definite, and that's going to be up to the authorities now for definite. Yeah, because I mean. The thing is, what has to happen has to, the house has to be cleaned out completely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's not a there's not a spare inch on the ground. Apart from she's a sheet on the ground, where she would lie down to sleep. Oh my God! How so, is she? Oh yeah, and how is yeah. she for heat and things like that and staying she warm? She has a radio, a radiator on, and I pay her bill. She has a, a small radiator, a portable radiator on, plugged in. Yeah, and it's continuously continuously on. So she lives in the one room and lies and sleeps on the floor? She lives in the one room. Uh, she's a bit, a, bit, a bit of an amateur. It isn't, isn't very safe. Okay, um, so in two months, nothing's been done? Two months, nothing has happened since the day I spoke to El Prenville on Red FM on the, on the, uh, the 14th of the month. Uh, we're working on it since so I was promised I was promised everything after two days well I was told I mean just the, the the welfare officer brought the social well, a social worker over as well and they discussed and that's grand and that is the situation at the moment thankfully she isn't she's in the hospital because I'm going to teach myself here during that bad spell of weather we got prior to Christmas I generally went seriously was very very worried about her I said she's going to be found dead She's going to be found dead. And how she got through this, this awful, awful, awful cold weather. And I thought that, I thought that, I thought that from the time that all my conversation uh, with you, yeah, that... Yeah, I would have thought it would have been urgent, an urgent emergency. I don't, I don't know, is it that the health officials are overworked and understaffed, but two months later, nothing done. I mean, what, yeah, what, what, yeah. what's the plan now? What, 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 what happens next? Well, I mean, we'll have to see what the, what the authorities will do. Now we saw how proud problem what her problems are and, and, and just take from there but I mean she cannot 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 I mean when I, at this point in time I, I don't even know what hospital she's in I, what happened she was taken whether she was taken to the COH and, and going to queue or whether she went to the mercy or would she take to the you don't know if she's in hospital as a result of her living conditions and her lack of proper and food or anything, no? I would say not I would say not no, no I would say not obviously some, whoever Whoever, and a, a, a kind neighbour across the road, Jim, who would go for a message on again for her. Yeah. Because he rang to tell me that um, she was actually tripped to the hospital on, oh on, on, on the Sunday night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It. I, mean, I mean, everybody tries to help people, but as you say, if that, if, 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 if that lady was treated that way, in that, in that fashion, I would just, uh, tell these terms, it's appalling and it's disgraceful. Regardless who she is, and regardless if she has some little problems that she's been difficult, that's that, that's that lady. But we must we must treat mm. her as she is, mm. as she is. Mm. We, we mustn't just treat all the nice people. All the and you're not people. to call again on her behalf nor ring the office again. Yeah, yeah, that, oh that, God, that, that's, that, that's incredible. That, that, that's yeah, incredible, that's and all you're trying to do is to do good. Yeah, that's incredible. That's all you're doing. And you see, at the time when it's helping another man as well, not far from there. Not, not far, not far from there. I know. And I, I actually went, just on this occasion, I went to the hospital, and this at the very beginning. And then when they were ringing me, then about that man, it was the same. It was the same. So, but, um, what are you going to do next? Well, I just want to start out what hospital that she, um, this lady is in, and take it from there, and contact the hospital, contact the hospital, and contact the medical people, and contact the, the senior members there, and bring bring. I will go to the hospital, 
and meet me, me with a specialist, a, a geriatrician, or someone in a tolerate. I won't be talking to uh, a, a clerk at the door in labour because it's it's important. I, I, I know, I know, and 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 I'm glad that you're going to do that because for if I were to call. Uh, the HSC, they wouldn't talk to me about a particular individual case no, like this. No, no, I understand no, no, that, but no, but, but all, all everybody was doing was making them aware so that they could take urgent action. I actually think it's a job for the ombudsman. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I think that um, I tried to explain to them what I said was this, that if I, I'm doing this work 50 years, I know what the rules and regulations are. I said, I, I, know, I hadn't asked you people what how medical problems are. All I'm doing is this, is bringing you aware, bringing to your attention. There's a lady living in a poor... Well, I know that, in fairness to you, I know that. But I'll tell you one thing, the Ombudsman's office, if they were contacted regarding this woman, in a matter of days, and I mean days, they would have every single service that was needed at the door of that woman's house. They're incredibly yeah, yeah. powerful, the Ombudsman's office. Maybe we might have a chat about that off the air. Yeah, yeah, we, we can, we, we can, yeah, we can, talk, we can talk about that. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That. All right, Patty. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Stay in touch. Chat later yeah, on okay, and see if so I can get this one moving. Thanks for now, yeah. Patty O'Brien. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. That's appalling. It'll be two calendar months in two days' time and nothing done. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I know what you're saying. I've seen the text already that we can look after others so well, but yet when you hear of an elderly woman living in appalling conditions like that, nothing gets done in spite of alert being raised back on the uh, 14th day of November of last year. Text 0868104106. I was talking and we contacted various chemists there over the past few days and pharmacies regarding the shortage of medicines. And I was talking about a shortage of things like cough bottles and cough medicines for dry or chesty coughs. We're talking about other things, Calpol, uh, lots of different medication that normally would be there at other times of the year not being there. Uh, right now or with the with the winter and this awful flu which is which is really impacting this flu there's so many people had it and you know it's one of those ones that knocks knocks you out for a fortnight it really does you could have a week or 10 days where you're absolutely crocked and even a little bit longer before you 100% recover but I was reading the story of Sharon Piper um, and of course this would be of the the Piper family the merry-go-rounds events and what have you Uh, not just Sharon who I believe is pneumonia but also uh, her daughter uh, who her eight-year-old daughter Libby who has asthma she joins me by phone Sharon good morning good morning how are you firstly I'm good thank you at least don't have pneumonia what's that like Oh, it's it's awful. This is my second time having it. I had it three years ago as well. So I'd say my chest is a bit uh, weak from it. Um, I only finished my antibiotics now yesterday. Um, I'm coming around a bit. Um, what is it? What is, what is, I mean, I, I know of flu and bad flu and what have you, but pneumonia, what, oh, what's that? What is it? Um, it? Your chest just completely tightens up. You feel like you've concrete blocks on your chest and it's just so hard to breathe. Now, my voice is only after kind of coming back in the last week or so. It's not back uh, fully. I'm still a bit croaky. But it's just, um, you just feel you can't breathe. And it's just the most sickening thing ever. You couldn't even put it to a flu. It's worse than COVID. It's the worst thing you'll ever have. It's oh just completely God. dilapidated. And you need to be fit to survive something like that. You know, it can be, um, it can be very serious. 
Well, it completely attacks your whole system. Like, I know you'd hear years ago, you know, oh, people with pneumonia, they go to hospital, but obviously, if you have an underlying problem, there has to be two yeah. different types. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's not the bad, bad one. There has to be two different ones. But it just it just wipes you for six. It's it just complete. And as I said, this is my second time getting it. I had it three years ago as well. And Libby so, lives with asthma, obviously. But talk to me about, does. talk to me then about all of the products. They, they figure upwards of 200 products that you normally would get in a pharmacy that are out of stock. Out of stock. Well, Libby's on two types of inhalers. She's on a preventative, which is a brown one, and she's on a blue one as well. And then she has to take a tablet by night going to bed, um, singular air it's called. It's That's to help open her tubes in her chest by night. And then when she's really, really bad, like she was over Christmas, she has to go on her nebulizer. So I found that the, the, the nebs to put into the nebulizer were hard to get and the liquid capsules. So I went out to the chemist and he kind of said straight away, oh, I don't know, do I have them? And whereas I never got that before, it was always a case of, yeah, come back in half hour or whatever. But he had to go like I've heard it. of the cough syrups for children and adults. I've heard of Calpol yeah. and I've heard a lot of the cough bottles and, and, and things like mm-hmm. that. And I'm quite sure there's a lot more, um, you know, oh, yeah. products that are missing. But like, would mm. are it, is there a shortage of asthma inhalers? Well, at the minute, as I said, when you go into the chemist, you'd normally drop your prescription and they say, look, come back such and such a time. But now it's a case of, oh, hang on, I have to check, do I have it in stock, which never happened before. You just took it for granted. I went in every month and her inhalers were there. Yeah. But there's such a demand at the minute. And like Libby, Libby is not getting as long as she should have out of her inhalers because like this weather is playing a major part in, in asthmatic life at the minute. It's yeah. so damp. Yeah. All her puffs, like where she take two, would have to be increased to f- to four. And then if she gets a kind of a bad attack, you'd give like an emergency, as they say, you'd give six puffs. So we're going through the inhalers a lot quicker than what we would. So obviously everybody is the same. It's not just her. So I say the supply and demand just isn't there. And I know that one of the articles that that I read, you were talking about how upsetting it is where you have a child with asthma who is telling you in the morning uh, that they found it difficult to get through the night and even breathe Oh, yes, she finds that the night time is the worst. Even we had a bad night now again last night. Um, again, the chest tightens in and she's there and she's crying like, Mom, I find it hard to breathe. It's just, but, but that's exactly what she's describing, what it is. It, the chest tightens, it is hard to breathe. Mm, mm, mm. So it's um, like her, my eldest daughter had it too, but she grew out of it. There isn't a history of asthma in my family. They just got it to two of them. And I don't know what it is. It's like Murphy's Law, even when my eldest one was small, every every Christmas they were sick. We were in South Dock. We were queuing in the Kinsale Road roundabout. It's just that the weather just gets so damp. It's the worst time of year. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, will, it's just hard when they're so small. Will that, will that last across February and maybe even March and stuff? Um, well, the way she is now at the minute, it's kind of going on since the middle of December. Um, so she's not getting much of a break. Like she's been on steroids now as well all over Christmas. Is there a shortage of those? Is there a shortage of antibiotics? Is there a shortage of Um, steroids? Well, there was the antibiotic that she was to be put on. Um, Like that now when I went to the chemist, he only had an alternative. And then I had to try and get back onto my GP to try and see could they switch it to the alternative that they had. And that was more time again. Uh, You know, that's very interesting because there's a pharmacist that I've been hopefully talking to said that pharmacies should be allowed to give an alternative product if they don't have the prescription one. But they can't. Uh They can't. Dermot Toomey is saying they're not allowed to do that, that you would have to go back again 
to the GP, get another prescription for the one that the chemist has. That's not needed, Mm. surely be to God. No, and and like that now you're not the only person ringing the GP, so then you're in a list and then you have to wait again and then that's more time and it's, yeah, it's just, it's just painful. And are the pharmacies, are the chemists telling you that they're overwhelmed? Um, like the like after Christmas now like that before with my own chest rather than trying not to go to the GP I was trying to you know self-medicate yourself as best you can go in and see what's behind the counter so I went down looking for um, phenylalanine and the the shelves were empty they didn't have it all they had left was bronchiostop yeah. that was the only thing she could give me and then I was looking for Calpol for Libby because Libby can take Norfin yeah. for her asthma and there was a shortage of Calpol all they had they had loads of the 2 plus left but she's too old for that oh, I know I needed the um, the tablet form she's on now 6 plus worrying so, times yeah worrying times for the, parents with children well it is because like I even said to my husband before Christmas um, it came into my head what are we going to do if the kids or even ourselves get sick over Christmas? What are we, where are we going to ring? Where are we going to go? I said, and I never ever thought like that before, ever. But never you're not actually worried on. that you'll run out of inhaler, right? Uh, um, well, the way it is, as I said, when you go in, it's just the reaction you're getting. Oh, hang on, I have to see. Do I yeah, have? Yeah, I know, I know. Because and as I said, like your normal Joe Soul person who was never on an inhaler before, like I've been put on an inhaler now again, and I've I've been on an inhaler for years. But what would happen um, if people ran if they ran out of inhaler capsules or the the replacement? Well, it's, it'll be very worrying for Libby because Libby will get a bad asthma attack. Libby needs her preventative as well. Libby needs her inhalers. Libby can't go without her inhalers. Yeah, I know, I know. So, I know. like, I, I I don't even want to think what like she will get really really sick. God, you know oh that that's the thing. And this weather is just it's like I'd say it's like it's a blanket over them. They're is just, she is she in school? Terrible. She's school. She didn't make it back after the holidays last uh, Thursday, so she made it back on Monday. All right. Okay. No, I was I was anxious to talk to you about about your own situation, obviously with Libby, Mm -hmm. but also to see if other families with children are going through similar. You probably would say that many are. Yeah. Oh, I'd say many are. I'd say I'm not alone because I wasn't the only person in the chemist that day looking for Calpol. And, and like that, you know, the minute when you do ring South Dock for high temperature, they would say, oh, Calpol or Norfin. They're the main two things for small children. I know. That unfortunately at the minute that they are hard to get. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it is. As I said before, I never talk like this. You just take it, you go to your pharmacist and, you know, they have it and that's it. Not well, I suppose there's so many viruses around. They're just, it's just... Well, everybody's sick. Everyone's like, sick. Like, you know, it's just been the longest, sickest Christmas ever. Everyone you meet has been sick. All right. Well, know? listen, listen, thanks for bringing us up to date on your behalf no and perhaps problem. on behalf of other families. And good luck to you, Sharon, and to Libby as well. Brilliant. All right. Thanks so much, Neil. Take thanks, care. Neil. Bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Okay, that's the state of pharmacies and chemists and what have you, but we've been talking an awful lot about the state of our hospitals and our emergency departments and A&Es and also um, admissions and what have you. And it's been a while now. It's been a few weeks since I actually received this email from um, somebody who wanted to pick up on that. She says, I have been listening to all of the awful stories about people's experiences. I'm a nurse in the CUH since I started my training there in 1994. And I cannot tell you how ashamed I am of how our patients are being treated. I found it hard to listen to the emergency nurse you had on recently defending her colleagues. She is so wrong in what she is saying. I had a recent and shocking, frightening experience with a family member, a young 36-year-old who was in agony and very, very sick. 
In fact, she ended up having emergency surgery at 8am the following morning. When she got to bed, the ward manager who received her from the ED nurse was appalled and upset at my daughter's condition. Total neglect and total lack of empathy. My daughter said she never felt so dehumanised, insignificant and demoralised at the treatment she received. I was ashamed and horrified of the treatment and I was eventually allowed in to be with her due to one nurse's kindness. The others were cold and indifferent to my daughter's pain and nausea. She was on all fours in pain and she was asked uh, to get up out of the way and sit in your chair. And I have to say, once the nurses had done their initial taking of observations, they washed their hands of her because she was waiting to be seen by the doctor. Uh, so we can't do any morphia till then. She went for CT scans and x-rays and was not even offered a wheelchair to return from there, even though she was unable to stand. They were sort of tutting at her. She actually thought she was going to die. And in fact, as the day went on, I too was getting afraid of the same thing happening. Surgeons were outstanding, took control, and when she received was received onto the ward, I nearly cried with relief and gratitude for the care she received there for the few days she was in. They were kind and professional and, very importantly, delivering proper clinical care that reassured us both that she would be okay. Same in the theatre the following morning. Unbelievable care. So respectful and excellent clinical care. But I'm sorry to say that the nurses in the ED spent a lot of time chatting amongst themselves around the desk. Any interruptions by a patient to ask for help were met with eye-rolling, disdain, lack of interest and general irritation. I was ashamed to see it as a nurse myself and in fact do not consider those nurses to be my colleagues. Nor else do nurses behave with such utter lack of humanity and professionalism. I worked there for two years myself so I know what's going on and that's why I left CUH. I knew I couldn't stay and be part of a team like that. It was a disgrace. And they're only think and and think that they're only real nurses in the hospital. Uh, and they think that they're the only real nurses in the hospital and that they work the hardest. In fact, they should be ashamed to call themselves nurses. They do not have the empathy beaten out of them. Um, we all are all working really hard in CUH in every single department. But most of us treat our patients with care, respect and clinical expertise. I now would be fearful of any family member having to run the gauntlet of the ED department at the CUH. It's the worst I've ever come across and all those involved should be ashamed. And that is from a working CUH nurse that no longer works in ED. But it was sent to me at the back end of the year. So that would have been probably before or, you know, in and around when things really kicked off in the uh, emergency department and all of the viruses and all of the sicknesses came upon us the back of, uh, you know, mid to the back of uh, December. But it's sad, it's it's quite sad because in many ways it kind of generalizes against all nurses and uh, that isn't the case, but it certainly is her experience, she says, as a nurse working within the CUH of the conditions and the work practices in the emergency department. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, by text. And thank you to everybody who gets in touch. I'm not too put I'm not too put out at all by the Diageo price hikes, Neil. I prefer a few bottles at home or at the the mate's house. It's less hassle and you just toddle up the stairs when you want to and far less numpties to be dealing with in pubs or clubs. Uh, one or two more. A lovely text here saying, I loved 
Potty Palmer. He never failed to make a poor game exciting. I loved his sense of fun and the references he would make to the players' professions. His commentary was just gold. May he rest in peace. Uh, I got a funny text then. There was a burglar before the courts where it was discovered during the court case that he is on disability benefit for being lactose intolerant. Texter says, how dare How dare take advantage of his lactose intolerance to get disability benefit. That's cheesed me off big time. He's milking the system. I love that. It is a serious story, but I do love that. Um, and I was wondering, was it last Monday or next Monday that it is Blue Monday? Thank you to Rory. He says, next Monday is Blue Monday and it will be Turn to Me Day. A national mental health charity is stating that they expect Blue Monday next Monday will bring an increase in stress and anxiety levels. Blue Monday is January 16th. It's the third Monday of January and it's believed to be particularly stressful due to the combination of post-Christmas blues, the gloomy weather and many people being in the red with credit card bills are trying to stretch their December paycheck. Roy Noonan, thank you for that. I couldn't have put it better myself. It is for all of those reasons that next Monday people feel the pain most. Of course, the weather doesn't help and it's a long month to get paid. You've got credit card bills coming in and of course you also have gas and electric bills coming in. I'm almost almost mortified to say it, but uh, I got my gas bill, which would be the bill that would take you through November December and January, like the back end of November, well, actually the start of November to the start of January, a couple of cold months, 943 euro. That's, I'm even mortified saying it, 943 euro. It's not, it's, it's an estimated bill. I mean, you know, maybe if I had submitted a reading, it might've made a difference. But, um, you know, you have, you often wonder, like if you lived in warmer climates, you wouldn't have the grief of gas bills like that, you know, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 943 euro. Is it any wonder that people go, you're right, is, is it any wonder that people go away for the winter, you know, and they just lock up shop for those that could work remotely. A lot of elderly people and pensioners and not so old even just go away for the winter months. Well, like, 900, well, that's fine, 943 euros is a lot for gas, but let's be honest. It's but insane. Like, yeah, but Everyone like, in my house is cold, though. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way it is. <laughs> you just have to move house. That's the only solution. I, I go around and I just can't handle it. <laughs> oh, you doing turning yeah. off your mic there? Yeah, turn it off. Sorry, my <laughs> assistant there turned off my mic. Um, would you not switch? Because I know we did it recently. When no, I mean I will. I will be. I will be honest, hundred percent honest with you. I did get um, uh, uh, in a renewal. I got it. You get these discounts from them, so yeah. they added on to it then, which is some consolation. But listen, it's it's, it's all right. You know, but like nine hundred and forty-three euros would pay for flights and accommodation in Spain for a month. It's well, an it's, Airbnb it's, for it's a got, month. Here's what it's got: flights. it's got a standing charge of twenty one seventy, which you have to pay anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got uh, the amount of units used in the period eight hundred and forty five euro and fifty seven cent. They give a discount then because when I renewed, you get discounts, which takes a bit of the sting out of it. It took out three hundred and twenty nine euro. I don't know whether that's the government credit no, or get a, no. Oh, you you get a bigger discount if you actually go to bonkers and tell them and switch because they'll come back to you with. I know. I mean, I'm fi- listen. Come here. I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to pay it, but I'm just saying. Can you imagine what people will get this month with their bills coming in? But that's what I'm saying. Like if my the month before that, the bill before it, right, which would have been for September October, was seventy euro. Yeah, 
70. Because I know we switched and we got three, our bills are three times less than what they used to be. You need to switch. And that's part of the conversation I have this morning. You need to switch. You need to check. You'll get better deals. You'll get discounts and all sorts of things if you switch provider. Ryanair showing me a one-way flight to Alicante for 22 quid, Neil, I think. I think that's the next option, isn't it? Anyway. Just let the, let global warming take hold. Spend the month in Spain. Let that do your, your warming. Don't bother with the Everybody's gas. Everybody's global see warming it. was supposed to be doing us favours. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, yeah. Yeah. it's we, climate change now, not global warming. We, so. we all panic when the temperature goes up, right? Yeah. Nobody says anything about when it goes back down again. But maybe that's, that's used to it. <laughs> So that's that's an example as thanks guys, that's an example Ed, as to why uh, people hate January because those kind of bills come in. But that's the way of it. Everybody's in the same boat. What can you do? Text 0868104106 if you want to share your own increases because that bill is coming in for many people now and it'll be a much higher bill than the bill for September, October of that you can be sure. Can I just go back to um the issue with to with regards to pharmacies? and chemists and what have you and the shortage of medicines and things that people need and I touched on that with Sharon Piper earlier on do you remember she said that the chemist didn't have the prescription that she wanted but they had an alternative but were not allowed to give her the alternative and that she had to go back to the doctor to get another prescription surely be to God pharmacists could be trusted to do what's best and to know what's best for the patients Dermot Toomey is a pharmacist himself for the Irish Pharmacists Union also enjoins me by phone Dermot good morning Good morning to you. Can, can you talk at all to the amount of shortages that are there at the moment, I wonder? Yeah, I think uh, latest count, Neil, it's, it's over 200 uh, products. Um, it obviously varies on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. And, um, you know, some products are, are in supply and some products are out of supply. And I suppose our key message really to the public is, look, not to panic. There are alternatives there and we work with the public and with their GP in order to source the alternatives, but just that people need to have a bit of patience and forbearance with us while we do that. And what are the ones that are in short supply or are not in stock, Dermot? Because I've heard people referencing things like Calpolf, you know, um, you know, medication like sprays for sore throats or even aspirin. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a whole range of products. So, for example, um, I think the Calpol issue was, was primarily UK. Um, I'm not aware of a shortage of that in Ireland. Uh, there's been a, a range of cough bottles that have um, that have been short, a number of different throat sprays for um, sore throat, um, viral-type um, throat infections, and quite a few uh, dispensary lines as well in terms of quite a few antibiotics were short. Some of them are coming back into stock now. But it does change on a sort of a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that would be uh, cough syrups and things for adults and for children. Yeah. Now, t- to be fair, you know, the range of cough syrups over time has reduced because not all of them, um, due to licensing, let's say, are, are um, licensed for certain age groups. But um, I suppose one of the key things that, you know, I'd have spoken to you and, and others about yeah. before is that if pharmacists were empowered to to make um, what's known as um, a therapeutic substitution across a class, that would make a different uh, a difference in terms of reducing the waiting time and having to, to resort to GPs where there are shortages. Okay, so but you're not allowed to make that call in the pharmacy, are you? No, we're not at the moment. So well, what we're looking for, and uh, we've been in touch with the department on it, is what's known as a serious shortage protocol. So where there is a serious shortage of certain medicines or classes of medicines, 
that the pharmacist would be empowered under strict protocol to make a substitution. And again, the GP would be informed with that as well mm. because, let's say, for example, if there was going to be a serious shortage protocol for, say, a particular antibiotic range or some painkillers, that would be communicated to pharmacy and GP at the same time. And then pharmacists would go ahead and make that substitution as part of the protocol. Oh, OK, that, that would need to be rectified, wouldn't it? Because that's causing an awful lot of problems um, back and forth and people stay sicker longer. True? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really about delays and I suppose ultimately we want to keep people out of hospital um, and keep people as well as we can. So where people are prescribed, particularly medicines for acute illness like the respiratory um, illnesses that are going around at the moment, you ideally want to get the medicine to them in a timely manner. But our hands have been, I suppose, tied and a bit hampered because of this shortage issue. And unfortunately, pharmacists and their teams are spending far too much time trying to procure stock rather than dealing with, I suppose, the clinical needs of the patient, and that's where we want to be. And the issues that we're having, Dermot, are they having that across Europe with regards to shortages? Yeah, absolutely, to, to a greater and lesser extent. Um, obviously, our geographic location makes it a bit more tricky because there's more logistics in terms of delivery um, issues getting the products to Ireland, but it is, yeah, absolutely across Europe. Um, Do we have more viruses than the Spanish or the Italians or the Portuguese because our weather is colder and damper, I wonder? You know, you, you would tend to see, certainly, I mean, if you, I suppose if you compare the hemispheres, let's say, for example, um, the southern hemisphere, let's say, you know, if we're looking at the flu vaccines, for example, they look at what circulating um, viruses were there in our summer, in their winter, and then a prediction is made for our winter yeah. as to what, what, what goes into, into the viruses. So certainly, look, in winter time, it tends to be more of an issue and then this year I suppose we've, we've had a number of complications with, with COVID and, and strep A as well. Yeah and worries and alarm within families who have children that it might be strep A and that's why unfortunately all too often they're heading to an overcrowded A&E right can, can, can pharmacists you know actually just one question on this issue with regards to being able to change prescription uh, can other countries do it where a pharmacist in the UK or in France could do what you're not allowed to do? Yeah, so, so absolutely. So just before Christmas there, um, they introduced the serious shortage protocol for a particular type of antibiotic in the UK. And there are, um, this protocol has been in play in, in other countries as well. And there's been shown to be no issue with it in terms of really what you're trying to do is get an appropriate medicine to the patient in a timely manner. Yeah. And, you know, as I would have said before, pharmacists, like we, we are experts in pharmaceutics. We know how drug delivery works, um, doses, side effects and that. So, again, we'd be very comfortable working to that protocol. Okay, okay. Uh, do you think that's going to happen? I, I, I would I would hope so. Certainly we've had um, indications from the HPRA, which they're the, the I suppose, organisation uh, deemed with licensing medicines, that they're prepared to sit down and talk to us on that. So we're trying to secure an early meeting on it. We did have communications uh, with um, officials in the department last May because there was an issue with um, HRT medication, but it didn't go anywhere. And I think... Look, it's likely that these type of issues are going to be here on a more regular basis. So we need to be nimble and agile and use, I suppose, our 1900 community pharmacies to be able to, I, to use their skills. I, I think it's just common. I think it's common sense for that to happen. It would certainly make the system a lot more efficient. Do you, be, do you believe that chemists and pharmacies are allowed? Should you be allowed to give more over the counter medication, I wonder, that people need a prescription for that really pharmacists should just be able to give out? So I suppose there's a few things at play here, Neil. Um, certainly in the UK, there's, there's a, there are a range of conditions that um, medicines are known as pharmacy-only medicines that they can be sold under the supervision of the pharmacist, whereas the equivalent, say, in, in Ireland are prescription-only. Yeah. I mean, we would see 
a number of things that, that should come into play. One is a minor ailment type scheme and basically the scheme would allow people, particularly with medical cards, to be able to have, I suppose, a consultation on a par with a private patient without cost being a factor. So someone comes in and say they have an issue like indigestion, we could have a consultation with them and then select an appropriate product um, and that then would be reimbursed by the state as opposed to, let's say, we select the product and it's say it's 12 euros or 14 euros, then, you know, they may not have the money for that. So they're reverting back to their GP. So that's maybe the first aspect of it. So we're very keen on that. And then the second aspect, I suppose, is is your point is, is can we look to extend the range of products that can be available over the counter? Without prescription. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there are some products there that certainly... Now, in fairness, in the last couple of years, there have been a few more that have moved from prescription only to pharmacist supervision. So there's products for migraine, uh, Viagra as well, has, has, has come over the counter. So there has been... But it, it's been a trickle, really. And yeah, I because uh, it used to be that way in Spain, I believe. But I was just doing some checking on it the other day. And I think they, the, where you could get antibiotics from the pharmacy without a prescription in Spain. But it, did they reverse that? You know, I suppose on that one, one has to be very careful because if we're talking on, on the, I suppose the opposite side of the antibiotic story is antibiotic resistance. And that's an issue that's becoming more and more um, in play. So ideally, if antibiotics are overprescribed or overused or if people are swapping between family members or friends or whatever, the issue is the antibiotics are going to become less and less. Yeah, effective, and we know yeah, that with MRSA. Yeah. So like... There is a balance. Obviously, we're in acute time now. A lot of people are quite unwell and they need them. Uh, but equally, it's important that they're used for the shortest course possible and uh, only for the people who actually, you know, are, are intended to, to have them. Yeah, OK. So do you think that's why the Spanish reversed it, that people were becoming immune to them? Well, it's like this, is, it would, uh, this would be a global thing and there is a concern and... Certainly, you know, true, there's a website called undertheweather.ie where, you know, people, uh, members of the public can click in and see are antibiotics required. So there are a number of self-limiting conditions that, that would be viral um, uh, mediated. So they're come from a virus. So y- you wouldn't need an antibiotic for them. So um, I had a gentleman this morning, we spent a bit of time with him just talking about his, his ill daughter at home. And the kind of conclusion we came to, you know, a good chat was that, you know, keep going as he was with Calipol, with the fluids, and just to monitor that an antibiotic probably, in my opinion, isn't needed at this stage. But obviously, if things deteriorate, then to go that way. But I think it's important because um, that is going to be an issue if there are too many antibiotics prescribed. Okay, taken, okay, okay. Know. It's interesting. Just on a final point on that, do you, do you think that really people, their first protocol should be the chemist, should be the pharmacy, and perhaps not always the GP? I don't mean to sound reckless in this, but that, you know, you, you, you guys know what you're doing. You're, you're skilled, you're professional. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think uh, the way I'd look at it is we work in collaboration with our GP colleagues. Look, absolutely, we're, we're, we're comfortable with people coming in and asking us for advice, and we're happy to refer where appropriate. I suppose what we're looking for, and you know, if you look at it from the slaughter care perspective, what you'd like to do is maybe deal with the, the least complicated conditions in the, um, I suppose, most accessible point of the healthcare system, which is community pharmacy, and then allow GPs to deal with slightly more complicated yeah, conditions, yeah. and then the hospitals with even more complicated 
again. But definitely it's a collaboration thing because, again, we would have people coming in and you know, we would refer them to our GP colleagues because they would need to be seen. If needed, you would do. But if not, absolutely. you would just give them what they need oh, and send them on their merry way. Good stuff. Listen, thanks so much, Jeremy. Appreciate you taking the call. Hopefully that change will be made because it's a sensible one and Sharon Piper brought it up this morning so that would speed things up. Much obliged to you. Dermot Toomey is the Irish pharmacist uh, is of the Irish Pharmacist Union, Union and manager of Care Plus in uh, Cloyne. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106 on my conversation with uh, Alejandro's brother Raul. If what happened to Alejandro had happened in a car accident or a playground, insurance would cover this young lad's injuries. Plus, I can imagine lots of expensive counselling will be needed for the lad. There should be dog wardens. I suggest the family should sue the council for not enforcing the the actual laws. Uh, All I can say is that God must have been looking after the young lad. Can you imagine letting your child out to play and for this to happen? I know he is badly scarred, but we can see his outward injuries. It's his mental health that I'm thinking of. If something like that happened to my child, I'd be awake with nightmares. Thank God the people of Ireland yet again have shown just what we will do when we see someone genuine and in need of help. Another person that is genuine and in need of help is the uh, elderly woman in Blackpool that Paddy O'Brien has been trying to intervene on behalf since the 14th of November. Uh, That poor woman in Blackpool, yet we throw money hand over fist at refugee welfare. And that, in a nutshell, is what is wrong with this country. They, the people in politics, have forsaken their own people, says GP in Blarney. That's not the only text like that, incidentally. That lady should claim to be Ukrainian or fleeing war in another country. And the state would bend over backwards to help her. Speaking of bending over backwards to help people, well done to everybody that helped to raise money for penny dinners uh, with Con Luxford Christmas lights on the south side. He's been back to me to say that they raised three thousand six hundred and twenty-three euro for penny dinners. That's up fifteen hundred euro on what they raised last year. Isn't that incredible? Um, the 1500x that was raised year on year. Now, on the 16th of January, there will be a mass said in Toker Church for those who donated, should you wish to go along. But certainly the mass will be said um, on your behalf and for you to everybody donated. €3,623 for the Christmas lights at the Luxford home. And all of that will go to penny dinners. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, Christmas needs less power, not more. They have more than enough power as it is. I mean, they're the ones working for Big Pharma, advertising their products and selling certain ones over others. And others saying they want full autonomy to prescribe whatever they want. When you go in to get a pack of Salpidine, it's like being in a concentration camp with all the questions. They're the ones causing these issues. I'm absolutely raging. She says chemists need less power, not more. Thank you for that. Keep those texts coming and phone calls as well. Let's get back to them. Dave, good morning. Hi, Neil. How's it going? Okay, you just wanted to pick up, uh, is it medical cards? Well, I just know it's not medical cards. I just wanted to pick up on something there that people might know about that would be handy for them for alternatives. I'm on a medical card myself and I have a good relationship with my pharmacist. So if I go up and they don't have something on the list of medications that I'm on, they can get it from a crowd who, you know, they have to pay for it. And you apply for a thing called the hardship scheme. Most uh, pharmacies won't say to you, 
but you were at that for it, but they say it to me because uh, I, they know me up there. Mm, mm. So uh, it's just like if, if people are turned away and told to go back to their TVs, they could say, oh, can I apply for one that's on, you know, that you have to pay for on the hardship scheme. But do you, and do you, but you then have to pay for it, do you? No, you don't. You don't. No, once you apply for it under the hardship scheme, you get it for free. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, just for example, there and I had to go in for a procedure in the hospital. Just, I had to get a camera down my throat and I had to drink this liquid. Mm. And the liquid was coming to 45, nearly 50 quid. I went down, uh, I went up to my pharmacy and she told me, she goes, it's the same as last time. She said, um, she goes, I got she goes, I already applied for it under the heart. But yet. why wouldn't you been so, able to get that on your medical card? Because they just don't cover it. The things that aren't covered on the medical card, you can apply for under the hardship okay. scheme. All right. Okay. So though, so having a medical card doesn't entitle you to any kind of medicine. There's no, some... no, no, no. Absolutely not. Um, it just it just covers it, it covers most things, and it covers it covers the majority. Yeah. Of things. There there is such stuff that aren't covered on this, which I encounter there now quite a few times. Um. But when I go up, I don't even have to say it to my pharmacist. She already has the hardship scheme, the forms kind of fill, half filled out. And do you need paperwork from a GP to get onto no, the hard? You do that. You okay. just go up. You're this is all done through the pharmacy. Okay. Okay. Good point. Thanks for that. Let people know. Right. They do just, now. Just Thank so you for people that. know there so they have an alternative. Just ask for it if they're not offered it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for that. Cheers, my man. No bother, John, good morning. Morning, Neil. All right. What part of this morning did you want to pick up on? Uh, I wanted to speak to you about uh, the government's uh, paper deal on uh, the immigrants coming into our country, the illegals. Mm, mm, mm. Like, uh, the government has discussed how they could introduce more appropriate and more robust border controls to prevent illegal immigration. Now, because they're... they're, they're are you talking about international up? protection? People that are coming in, applying for international protection are... That's the same as asylum, if you like, as opposed to no, refugees. No, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking about people, I'm not talking about refugees, I'm talking about people who turned up without any documentation, yet they couldn't get on a plane in any country without documentation. That's on, they would be coming, yeah, they may well be destroying their right. documentation, you're right, but that's yeah, inter- right. they're looking for international protection. Yes, but apparently if they have a well-found, uh, well-founded fear of being persecuted, for reasons of race, religion, nationality, membership of a particular social group or political opinion, they can they can come in without a visa. Oh, totally, absolutely. Just rock up to the uh, just rock up to an Irish border. Yeah, but we have a teacher above up the country at the moment who's been prosecuted by the Irish government. So can he go to another country like Australia or Canada and apply for uh, refugee status there? I don't think he wants to leave the country. Of course he don't, because this is his country, yeah. and, and, and it's his right. Yeah. So the government now set up a scene where they're, they're now going to try and uh, lock down everything he has to break him financially and starve him into submission. Uh, there's a lot going on in that story, actually. There is an awful lot going on there, because let's go back to when the students were enrolled in the school. What, what definition did the, did the student uh, enroll under? Was it a male or female, or was it a? Uh, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have to dig it all out again. I know that. Yeah, yeah I know that. Yeah, I know that. It's a, it's a very spiky yeah. one, that one. Yeah. So, so this guy is Enoch Enoch Park. His religious uh, uh, freedom isn't being protected; it's being prosecuted. 
he's been persecuted for it. Yeah. And how how do you how do you make a comparison between that and his religious views and well, undocumented asylum seekers rocking well, up at you, the border? Well, if you can come into Ireland from anywhere because you're being persecuted for your religion in another jurisdiction, surely be the God of men who's who has been a Christian his whole life, with a history of, of, of his uh, of his whole life, uh, and, and his beliefs. Uh, why can't his uh, uh, why can't he be protected? Where well, we have people turning up and saying, "Oh, I'm a Christian," and blah blah blah. We have we have no proof that they're Christians. We have no, no proof I, that they're Christians. I know that, and, and and I know that, and something's it's going to have to stop. It's going to have to be changed oh, yeah. because it's become a yeah. real problem. Uh, people who like you know you have to have borders, you have to have controls, you have to have you have to have documentation when you arrive. And in many cases, if you're outside the European Union, you have to have the proper stamp yeah. or you have to have a visa. Yeah. You know that's that's the way the world that's, that's works. Great. Right. But did you ever watch a program on the television called Stop Search and Seize? No. Yeah, well, uh, in any one of the ports that you come into, uh, particularly uh, in in Dublin, uh, there's uh, one particular guy on there and he's only just the closest thing to a Rottweiler that you ever thought that you ever saw. Shot the putting your, his hand down your jocks to search what you have uh, uh, on you uh, it would would be uh, not exaggerating. You couldn't get you couldn't get in there with a pack of cigarettes more than you should. Yet we can have people that rack up no documentation and to scared me the father. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, no, there's, yeah. there's some like yeah, but what I'm trying to figure. No, out I mean is, I don't I don't have an an, I don't have an answer to that yeah, if people are yeah, rocking up but, without paperwork. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, but 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 don't we have a minister for the environment uh, that should be able to tell us where did where did that. Uh, rule come from is is this a European a Brussels rule that's been pushed down our throat that anybody can turn up from anywhere no history no nothing we have a situation out that a guy took, could turn up at the airport and say I'm an atheist I believe in nothing and I'm being persecuted because I believe in nothing so that's taken the thing into farcical uh, uh, complications yeah 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 yeah. You, you, you're you you're on the side of, of Enoch Burke on this one he's, well, been, he's, well, suspe- uh, he's been suspended Placed on leave in County Westmeath because yeah. he objected to the principal telling him that he had to call a transition student by their newly chosen name and the pronoun they. He said no to that. He said he couldn't he do did. this in accordance yeah. with his Christian belief. He said there are only two genders, male and female. Um, That's correct. But then he... He, his objections then were, were very public ones. Staff meetings, uh, you know, dinner, church services... And he kept going to school um, when he was ordered to stay away. Um, wasn't that it? Pending a pending yeah, an upcoming disciplinary proceeding, and he, he breached that, and that's why he went to jail then for, for contempt of court, wasn't it? Oh yeah, but you see, this is what to get you. It's the same as being stopped by the Gaudi and the turn around and if they can't get anything on you. No, I, no, you don't, you don't have to say. No, I mean they that's they not no, 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 hold on a while now. There's been many a guy stopped them because they didn't like the answers that they gave him. You got done for a, a breach of the peace. Yeah, and, well, and, and, I mean, and, yeah. like that, you know, that's, that's at your peril if you're going to be cheeky or saucy or give grief to the Gardaí. Like, show them a bit of respect. You know what I mean? Well, but the respect works both ways, Neil. I've met a few people that shouldn't uh, be wearing any top type of u- a uniform. They shouldn't even get a job as a dog catcher. But wouldn't you not say that about every career? Or every job that uh, there are people oh, in it that oh, shouldn't be. 
Yes, but this goes back to their, this goes back to their, tra- their training about how they approach the, uh, the public. If, if you're polite to me, I'll be polite back to you. Okay, so okay, so you really and truly are standing four square behind Enoch. Then are you saying that he well, shouldn't have absolutely. to call somebody by their chosen name? He shouldn't have to call them they instead of he or she, and he should be allowed to, um, you know, teach and follow his own Christian beliefs. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be interesting when the, the parents are calling that child for the breakfast? Do they say, they come down for your breakfast or do they call him by his Christian name? Don't, I, I don't, I can't answer that. I mean, I don't know. Somebody that formerly would be a John which, might well now be known as Mary. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Within the, within the realms of reason now, your child is upstairs and the dinner is cooked or the breakfast is cooked and you're calling them down. Do you show, do you show up the stairs? Day, your food's on the table or do you call them by their name? Yeah, um, I wonder if this would roll out in the workplace as well, even more going forward. I mean, this is just one case with regards to him and the school and, you know, the court. And he, was he spent over, what is it, 100 days in jail? Yeah. How ridiculous is that? There was. I mean, if this is, if this is not persecution of that man's beliefs, like, it, 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 we might as well stop everything we're doing. Okay, let's see if other people have thoughts on this. I know we talked about it some months back, but it continues to roll on. As always, John, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Take okay, care. Indeed. Thank you. Text 0868104106 on that one if you have thoughts on our changing world. Um, pick up the phone on 0818104106 back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Another example of how difficult people find it. And of course, there is also the talk of, uh, you know, bending bending over backwards to help others. But yet we have story after story of people who need help or intervention, etc., etc. The public health system in this country is disgraceful. My grandmother fell and broke her arm in July 2021. She lay on tarmac outside her house for two hours waiting on South Dock or an ambulance to come uh, to then eventually have to be taken to CUH not by an ambulance but by a family member as we were told it would be at least another four hour minimum wait ahead of us Uh, after spending all night then in A&E she was discharged the next day with not even a painkiller in a brace unfortunately she'd also been diagnosed with early stages dementia and had to be readmitted to CUH. She then spent six weeks in the CUH, uh, and her story mirrors a lot of the stories that you deal with on air. We were then told she would be given three weeks' respite while we adapted the house for her. So myself and my family spent evenings and all weekends, while also working full-time, adapting her home so it was suitable for her, for the grandmother. We never once asked for help from the HSC, or public health. We did it all. But by God, when it came to getting home help or home living aids, we had to fight tooth and nail, save for something like a wheelchair and a hospital bed, which the occupational therapist had recommended. My mother cut down her working hours to look after my grandmother as much as she could. The most we ended up getting was 45 minutes for five days in the mornings to get her washed and dressed and 30 minutes for two days at lunch. Unfortunately, she has a very rapidly developing form of dementia and the times allowed were just not enough. Her morning home help was amazing, but we only saw the lunchtime home help once as she was then off for holidays. So we had to pay privately to get that help needed for our grandmother. By the time she was back from holidays, uh, unfortunately, my grandmother was back in hospital and ended up in full-time care in December of 2021. 
My mother didn't get a phone call again from the public health nurse until February of 2022. And she didn't realise that she'd even gone into full-time care. Even with families that fight for everything, elderly people, like the lady we spoke about in Blackpool this morning, elderly people fall through the cracks in this country and it's nothing short of disgraceful. Thank you for that email. You've asked me not to give out your private details, and I won't. So keep those coming. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. Big response then to uh, the pub increases and stories like that. The minimum alcohol pricing is a scam to make people buy and the Diageo big brands as the stuff that was cheaper is now the same price as the big brands. That's why Diageo had record profits last year. Everyone was forced to buy their brands because there was no difference in prices. Uh, in Glanmire, I was charged six fifty for a pint of Guinness. It was in the Brook Inn in December. Now, I'm assuming you're getting the prices right to be fair to pubs. And I did ask you yesterday, six fifty for a pint of Guinness. Uh, $3.70 for a pint of Carling in the Harp Bar. Great value. How, how, you know, how can you do it? I mean, it's amazing you can do that, Three seventy for a pint of carling, when you'd pay another €2 Euro for another lager on top of it. The price increase on the pint is one thing, but what about the price of a vodka and Coke? Nine fifty for a Smirnoff and Coke. That can't be costing more than one forty to the publican. How about the profit margin there, says Dermot. And then, Neil, you were asking about Weatherspoons. How can they do the prices they do? Beamish, Foster's and Strongbow... 280 in Weatherspoons. I was in there on Sunday and those prices are valid till the 17th of January. On a normal day, it would only be €3.40. Um, how, how can they do it, I wonder? Is it the volume that they're buying it at? Uh, what a load of baloney about the price of non-alcoholic beer being cheaper. I'm a non-alcoholic beer drinker by choice, as when we go out, I drive, because you can't get a taxi when you want one. The price of a pint is the same and the 300 milliliter bottle of Heineken Zero is over a fiver. So who's cutting who saying non-alcoholic beer is cheaper? It's not. Thank you for those. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Katie standing by. First up, Tony, good morning. Morning. Um, are, you, are you referencing John's call there a while ago, is it? Of course, uh, Yeah, go ahead. Just just because he's, he's a Catholic or whatever he is, but it doesn't matter what he is, he, he, it's just that he was brought up the way he was, and because a person changes gender, the government decides that he's he's to say what they want him to say. Uh, I think he, it's a disgrace that the government are forcing people to do things. Yeah, but sure, what's the harm in us? Just call somebody by a different name. Call them by the name that they want to be called. Is that it's such yeah, a big deal? The government says if you don't if you don't do what we tend to do, we'll take everything from you. We leave you penniless, and we'll end up. You'll end up inside in jail for the rest of your life, mm, mm. just because he, just because he was brought up to be a Catholic. Do you not think he could have handled it better, though, pending the disciplinary procedure in the school? You know, gone on, gone on paid leave, and gone through the proper channels and procedures. Do you think he could have? Do you think that it could have been handled at lot better by the government if our Taoiseach wasn't misses? If our Taoiseach wasn't what? A missus. A missus? Yes. What the hell does that mean? Because our Taoiseach has a husband. Yeah, but that doesn't make him a missus. I mean, you can't be saying things like that. That's, uh, that's hurtful, it's can. unkind, and it's just but not on. If somebody has a husband, then surely they got their missus. No, they're not. They're not. Oh, so they're two husbands. 
like you don't like in, in a gay relationship you don't have a mister and a missus you have two men or two women why, why would you be hurtful right. like that I'm not being hurtful I just think that the government is very very nasty that's all in, in the case okay in the case of Enoch Burke who would have his own Christian beliefs that there are only exactly. two genders yeah okay and they're trying to force him to change his beliefs You think there are many you think people? That's right? Do you think that there are many? I mean, you, I th- I think you, often have, you often have polls on your on your radio. Why don't you put a poll out about this and see what people think about it? How many people think about it? What do you want me to ask people? How many genders are I there? I don't know. You're, you're the man. You're the educated person. I know I'm more educated than the next fellow. I know. I don't think so. You're making a valid point, and if you have Christian beliefs that you want respected, you're entitled to say that. Exactly, and I'm sure you could wear that very, very eloquently over the phone and some and people will be able to text in their answers. Mm. Hello, Laura. Mm. You, you, think it, you think it might be a generational thing uh, that the world is changing, that people who have been on the planet a little longer aren't kind of okay with the changes or can't everything adjust to the changes? Everything you say this, Roy, and I'm going to break in and top you, but it is an educational thing and it is, it is everything you said, but it's still at the end of the day the government forcing people to do what the government wants. That if Enoch Burke didn't want to call somebody by a different name, uh, or doesn't accept that they're want to call somebody they, they, he wanted to call him John or Mary, yeah, but okay. the government says you can. All right, okay, all right. Let me get another call on this. Thank you for that. Much obliged to you, Tony. It's got the ball rolling. Maureen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, again, you're the third call that talks about somebody's Christian or Catholic beliefs being disrespected. Is it? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yes, well, I, I fully support Enoch. Um, I think what happened to him was absolutely, absolutely shocking. We can liken it to the, we can liken it to Father Shehibi when he spoke in the church, in his own church. Oh, of course, he wasn't supposed to do that. He was supposed to agree with everything else that was going on outside in the, we call it the secular world. But you see, Enoch, like me, had the right to refuse because he was looking at a boy. But then the thing is that he, that I've, from what I read, the student complained. Then the school decided, oh, well, we'll have to support the, the student. Uh, so then they suspended either. That's what I read. That's what I read. Well, I think that it became a big issue. It became a very big issue. Uh, and they were talking about a disciplinary hearing. Um, and he went on paid leave. Yes, until they could resolve it. But you say, how are you going to resolve it, Neil? <clears throat> you're either going to, re- you have to, re- there's only one or two ways you ha- you're going to resolve it. You're going to resolve it either by forcing Enoch Burke to, to abide by their rule and say, oh, well, if you, want, if you want to keep your job, you have to call who will say whoever was John now is Jane, okay? Yeah. Or yeah. else... Out the door. And you can't say well, he or she, you, you must say they. Yeah. Exa- uh, well, that's forcing. That's forcing an opinion down somebody else's throat. And it's wrong. But but we, that, but do, do we accept that transgenderism is, is real? Do, do we accept no, that? No, I don't. Well, maybe, I don't. maybe you don't. But a lot of people. Of course I don't. A lot of people take on board that people struggle 
with their gender identity and it's becoming a lot more comfortable to come out and say that they struggle and wish to change to have a happier life. I mean, sh- who, who are we to say, sorry, you can't do that. I'm not going to allow that. Like, why would you not allow it? If they're happier. Because we all have our own opinion, Neil. But, but, your, aye, opi- aye, but, but your opinion can be that there are only two genders, that there's only a male and a female as far as you're concerned. But, yeah, but wait a second. Hold on. But not trouble yourself about how yeah, others... But this is, listen, this is happening all over the place. So, so, I'm, so, I'm in a lady, so I'm in a lady's bathroom, so I'm in a lady's changing room. And a man in a dress walks in, right? And I tell him, I say, excuse me, uh, gents, changing rooms are over there. Yeah. And I kid up. I'm the one who's going to get in trouble. Not the men in the There dress. is a serious issue there, and uh, let's not bury our head in the sand about that it's one. It's happening that, all over the that, place. It's happening in the UK, it's happening everywhere. But, but, I, but I always kind of do a bit of a double, stay, double start when I hear of people who have very strong Christian beliefs and very strong Catholic beliefs. Yes. Uh, um, talking about things being forced down their throat when the Catholic Church yes. for far too long were shoving doctrine down people's throats. Yeah, well, what doctrine were they shoving down people's uh, well, throats? I mean, like, we can look back They now. weren't shoving doctrine down tre- people's throats of, yes, a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, but we, re- we have reached the stage now where even priests are beginning to say it because if they don't say it, Neil, they're terrified. Mm. There was a, an arsonist attack in a church in Kerry. Mm. There were some other shenanigans went on in a church in Cork, I but think, can, it was last Sunday. Oh, but can, so, so why, you see, that? but this is it. People will agree and people will go along with it because they're terrified that they're going to be attacked or they're going to lose their job. And as the, you had another caller said, what happens when it comes into the workplace? So if I'm working in a place, and, and again, the same thing happens, we'll say, oh, I've got to call Den, I've got to call him some other name tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be happening. It won't take off, you think? It won't happen, no? Uh, no, it won't, it won't be happening with me. I, I, somebody else may do it because to keep their job, but it's not, I won't do it. I certainly wouldn't do it. I think it's shocking. Well, why, why do you think? Is it that you don't believe them? I, I don't, of course I don't believe in it. No, no, a woman no, I, is a woman, a man is a man. Yeah. And I will not be calling but anybody. They, but they wouldn't be making. They wouldn't be making. They wouldn't be. Why would they be making it up? <laughs> There's a lot of making it up. Why? Do you think? Do you think that? What, do you think exactly? Do you think that what we're seeing that that's going on? That so much of it is going on. That all these people. That these are all people that have issues with their gender. What we're seeing. There's a lot of different gender terms. Uh, yeah. Well, terms exactly. Now. There's yeah. A lot well, of you see. Gender terms. Y- y- yeah. yeah. Well, why are they doing it? You could actually have no gender, or you could have. Uh, but why are they doing fluid. it? You the, see, a lot of these young women, especially especially these the, the younger people sure and the teenagers I, that are coming up with, oh, um, oh, I'm this and I'm a cat and I'm something else and I'm non-binary and I'm non-binary and add and add and add and add onto it. That's nothing but blackguarding. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're blackguarding. Uh, <clears throat> blackguarding. Mm. Exactly. That's exactly what they're doing. So all over the world, course, they're blackguarding no, no. about gender Not identity. Just a lot of them are, especially the younger ones. A lot of them are. Okay. Because you, it gets them on their bandwagon and they think, oh, they're going to have such a great and easy life. And, which, and part of that is actually true as well. If, I'm, if I was the one who has to st- would stand up and say if it was my workplace or if it was anywhere else, and I refuse to recognize what I'm seeing is not what I should be seeing, I am the one 
who's going to have the police called and I am the one that's going to be accused of a hate crime. Or you're going to be... Which is nonsense. You're going to be suspended from work yes. pending a disciplinary procedure. Of course, procedure, yes. Like yes, because work. I don't okay. agree. Because I, I'm not allowed... To, to disagree. Okay, all right. Thanks, Maureen. We'll pick okay, it up after Nick. 11. That and lots more besides. Text 0868-104-106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And today is day 4 of our giveaway Courtesy of ourselves at Vwelling.com So for you and whomever you choose to take with you Two nights in Paris uh, Flying out of Cork Airport You and whomever you choose to take with you Hotel accommodation provided In fact you can drive to Cork Airport Like everybody else But the difference for you if you win this prize Is you will park for free at Cork Airport Spend time in the Aspire Lounge and then board your flight for Paris with whomever you choose to take with you, courtesy of Vueling, the award-winning low-cost carrier. And they fly twice weekly from Cork Airport direct to Paris or Lee. And Cork Airport are going from strength to strength. They had a great Christmas and hopefully they'll have a rockin' 2023. So, again, we are looking for your first date stories. And you could make this a nice romantic break to Paris if you win it on tomorrow's programme. So keep those texts coming, your first date stories. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. On hair coursing from yesterday, those that give out about hair coursing still support the horrors of factory farming and slaughterhouses. It's nothing short of hypocritical. People eat meat for pleasure, not out of necessity. We don't need it. You could be perfectly healthy without eating meat. Those people that terrify hares and other animals in the name of rural pursuits also do it for pleasure. It's always pleasure. There's no real difference. No animal should be harmed or killed unnecessarily. It's that simple including factory farming and slaughterhouses. Uh, So there's many on that and also a lot on the price of drink uh, with people talking about it in quite some detail following on from what Diageo did yesterday. They followed the lead of um, Heineken uh, last year. Henchy's Barn St. Luke, seven euro for a pint of Moretti while it's 5.70 in the Ashburton. Morning, I have no sympathy for the vintners. The VFI, along with Diageo, pushed through the minimum pricing effectively putting a 100% price hike on people who couldn't afford to go to the pub in the first place. So keep those coming. Big response also to our conversations about the art um, and the interpretation of the change of the Michael Collins photograph where his uniform is pink and he's carrying designer bags. Uh, Many people are upset about that, including members of the uh, Collins family. Well done, Neil, for speaking to Helen Collins, Michael Collins' grandniece, for speaking up for this great man. It's an invasion of privacy against Michael Collins and his family. It seems nobody contacted the family about the photograph change. Love the show. Uh, keep up the good work. I'm sick in bed with the flu, says Sean, a West Cork man. And of course, all this came from a PR company that are doing a big event. The event is called The Changing Face of Retail in Ireland. And in, a, in, in order to publicize it, They took a photograph of Michael Collins, put a pink uniform on him, and in his left hand he had a designer bag, and in his right hand he had another designer bag, and many people were upset about it. Mind you, Mick says, dead people can't sue, unfortunately. How would Leo or Michal or Michael D feel if their photograph had been used? Um, I'd love to come on, but I'd end up losing it, says Mick. Um, So there's lots more like that throughout the course of the morning, which I'll come back to, but I want to go back to our phone lines at this stage. Rachel, good morning. 
Good morning. Thank, thank you for holding. Um, this started a little earlier on with regards to people's Christians' belief or their Catholic beliefs, uh, where Enoch Burke um, was suspended pending a disciplinary hearing and ultimately then spent 100 days or so in jail. He, he's out now because he won't abide by rules in a school with regards to transgenderism. Your thoughts? I think as a teacher, he has a duty of care to his pupils. And as a teacher, you cannot pick and choose your pupils. Therefore, if he doesn't like what's in front of him, then he shouldn't be teaching him. Um, as simple as that. It's the same as a doctor. A doctor can't choose his patients. He can't, well, I suppose he can, but he'll be fired. If but, he chooses not do, to treat certain people of different yeah. nature, religion, origin, because of his beliefs, you can't do that. But, but, but this debate is going on all over the world now about people who have issues regarding different aspects of the world we live in going against their own religious or Christian beliefs. Like we, we are hearing a lot more of this, not just with Christianity. It could be with, with the, you know, members of the Muslim faith as well. You know, you've, you've, you've heard of issues in schools. But your religion is personal to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Your religion is personal to you. Do not put it on other people. It's, ha- it's what destroyed Ireland. It destroyed the Catholic faith in Ireland. It destroyed people's lives. If your faith is your faith, keep it to yourself and your church and the people, your peers. You do not put it on other people of different beliefs. But didn't haven't we had that? stories in the past, none of which I have in front of my desk right now, but I do recall issues of people being brought to task for having a cross, a chain with a cross or a crucifix where people had problems with that in the workplace. We also had hospitals um, that and schools where people were complaining about the Virgin Mary or about religious statues in the schools because they weren't Catholic. They had issues with it. So where do you draw the you're, line? But if you're, if you're not Catholic and you're going to a Catholic school, that's different. You know it's a Catholic school when you're going. You have to accept that is their belief. It works both ways. You respect Catholicism if you are going into that environment. Likewise, if you were going to a Muslim school or anywhere else, that you have to respect it. You can't complain about something when you know what it is. Oh, oh no, that means you're being very good about that now, in fairness to you, because you are saying that if, you're, if Christianity is not your thing, but yet you are going, say, to a religious school or a Catholic school, you don't have a right to kick up about religious no, icons or don't. statues in the school. Okay. I don't, well, I don't believe you do. No, I'm only asking, your I'm faith is your in, faith. Yeah, yeah. So you have to respect both sides. And as a teacher, that man is not respecting that child. And that child is obviously going through some form of transition. And what that man has done, he has publicised it, which will more than likely uh, make it a hundred times harder for that child. No, I think in fairness now, let's be fair about this. He is standing behind nothing more than his religious beliefs and his Christian faith. Yeah, but faith. it has brought the child but it has brought the child okay. into the forefront, even if the media aren't naming him everyone in the area knows who that child is okay okay and everyone in the school so he will have affected him in a way that he might might not realize now but will in later years okay so his so anybody's faith or religious beliefs needs to be left outside of the workplace unless you're teaching religion that's different if you if you're going to a school where they and the class is religion that's their opinion, that's their religion, they're teaching. But if you're teaching maths, history, geography, or whatever else you're teaching, 
your religion should not come into it. Okay, okay. And, uh, and you're a teacher. You're, you're, well, you have I, a teacher care to your pupils. Yeah, and, and before 11, I was, I was trying to make the point of, say, as you put it, the mental struggles that people of all ages go through with regards to their sexuality or indeed their gender. But yet Maureen doesn't see it. She sees it very black and white. There are only two. You're either male or female. And she says everybody else is fool acting. Well, then she's part of the problem. That is the problem in this world today. You accept people for who they are. If you don't believe, that's fine. But that's your belief. Don't hang around with those people if you don't believe them. Mm. Don't mm. talk to those people. Don't communicate with them. Mm. Stick with people of your own kind. If that's the way she feels about it, then stick with the people that have the same beliefs as, as you. Okay, good Just point. Just because people don't believe what you believe. It's like people that believe in aliens. Some people don't. Would you, you know, annihilate them because they believe in aliens or... No, well, I, well I don't believe people around the world who are engaging actively in gender changes are making it all up. That's insane. I don't either. I, I think I mean, she's insane, but, but that's my... But, but, but is, there, is, there any, is there any point to be made that social media is maybe planting way too many thoughts in people's heads as, as a young age, maybe? I don't know. Well, I wouldn't say it's planting ideas in their heads. I, what I do think, it's made it easier for people to choose who they want to be. That's got to be a good like, thing, though, like, doesn't it? Like, go back 50 years. People were being jailed for being gay. People couldn't, you know, walk down the street with their partner. Now, at least they have the freedom to do that. What these people are doing, they want us to go back to the 1940s, 50s. Mm, no yeah, one wants to go back there. That, that was not acceptable in any way, shape, or form to be prosecuting yeah, that's, that's by virtue of their sexuality. That's what these people are doing. They're bringing the world backwards. We want to go forward, not backwards. And, and it's very easy to talk... These, for these people to spout all this st- stuff when supposing in the morning she, her, she had a child and the child came to her and said by the way I think maybe I might be a boy in a girl's body what's she going to do? Yeah I know What's that man Enoch going to do? You can't choose who someone's going to be or how they think Yeah And you have to have their mental welfare in the forefront not your own beliefs but, they're, but, they're, but let's also say that if somebody believes that there are only two genders, that is their belief. Um, one well, must respect belief, that. But you, but you can, like they you, must respect. Yeah. You can respect that person for their belief, but they can't force it down the other person who believes otherwise. Mm, mm. Sure, you're, 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 that's where home wars are started. Mm, mm. You can't. Okay. You can't do that. You have to leave. You have to respect everyone's opinion, their beliefs, and not. You know, you can't turn around and say, oh, I'm not calling them this, that, or the other. And lots of people change their name by Depole, and you have to call them that name anyway. So if that child just decided to change his name by Depole, that teacher would have no choice but to call him is that it, name. Is it, is it an issue for, for some women, perhaps, with, with people deciding to uh, change gender? And there are many different types of gender now, besides changing from male to female. There are many. There are dozens and dozens of them. With regards to um, uh, bathrooms, toilets, changing rooms... Personally, I don't have an issue. Like years ago, I went to Amsterdam and I was in my late 20s and I went into a bathroom and this transgender person came in and used the bathroom. I got a bit of a shock because from Ireland, you don't, you don't have that. You don't, well, at the time we didn't. Yeah. But there was no issue. The person went into the cubicle, went to the loo, came gotcha. out, washed their hands, which yeah. a lot of people actually don't. <laughs> and that was it. 
That's for no, another day. I, I, I didn't get the issue. I didn't get the problem. Okay. I don't get what people's problem is. All right. Let me talk to James, Seamus, and first up, Finbar. But thank you, Rachel. Appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thank you. Have a good day. Finbar, go ahead. Let me just get my line sorted here. And uh, I think that he is on line one, I believe. Finbar, there you are. Good morning. Hello. Morning. Go ahead. I just think just think about what you're on about here, about the people, about the gays and all this, yeah. all the genders. Yeah. I think yourself is just to be to be held and have a different identity if you're going for jobs and if you look for a higher, a higher job and, and a straight person got it, they're up in the arms straight away, or oh, you can't do that because they're gay, and yet they're in straight away into the manager. You can't, they're going everywhere. They're, where you have to go to go complain about it, and next day are, they're there and they're getting the job. Ah, but they're I mean, you, like, you, you could say that about somebody's religious beliefs, persecution. You could say that about somebody and the colour of their skin saying that. It's because I'm white or it's because I'm black. Or you could say that about their nationality. Oh, you're only saying that to me because I'm not Irish. So that's racism. There's loads of different things like that. I know, but I said, uh, geez, she, that girl that was on there, she said 50 years ago, it happened. I, I can't remember any crazy gays or queers, we call, queers are called that time, 50 years ago. Jesus Christ, they were fair, few and fair between. They were not. In Ireland. They were not. They just were persecuted. We well, they were just persecuted. Where, or they, where were they? Like, where were they? So in the last couple of years, Jesus Christ, they're after coming out there. There's millions, there's thousands of wrong cock. Where were they for the last 50 years? Fimber, you sound to me as if you're describing a plague or a sickness or something. Yeah, but I think it's not, it's not, like year, years and years ago. Firstly, it was a criminal offence, so people stayed very quiet about it. Secondly, and I recall certainly in the seventies and eighties, if you were gay or any way effeminate, you got an unmerciful beating, and you were persecuted on the streets. So you weren't. It was just horrific. It didn't mean that gay people weren't around. They just stayed very quiet and private. Well, there was there was just six thousand people that were that were given beatings. Like there was there was a different breed altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't affect me at all. But I said uh, I couldn't remember being as much as they are today. I said they want to be, as I say, to go forward. Same with women, to go forward. They come out, they're gay, they're in certain jobs, and uh, if they're passed over over the job, up and downs, straight away, or oh, shot the gender again. I've never, I've never ever in my life ever heard a gay person uh, claim discrimination because of their sexuality. Never. Have you? Have you really yeah. heard that? No, not really. But I'm saying it's happening. It's happening. But if you've never heard it, and I've never heard of somebody. No, but I'm saying it's happening. It wasn't. It's not out there, but it's happening. Okay. Okay. It's kept on the cover. Okay, but you and 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 before and uh, as I say, what well, lady? That lady must be in denial. She she was over in Amsterdam. Yeah. Which she her four daughter was over, was in Cork City or down in the same side in McDonald's tomorrow morning, and a transvestite came into the into the toilet. Well, it, it, and and it, it, and, it, and, and decided to go to the toilet alongside of her. What would she say? What would she do? Well, that's it. We not offended. That's up to every single individual as how they would react to a situation like that. But I have. But who's the people? Like, who does people decide like they can or use the same toilet? Who are these people? Well, it how would... was it the straight people were not asked about this? They just went along and done it. The same inside in town there. They're trying to drive her home. They have to go across by Bone Thomas's there. 
til Zebrakrasen. Det var aldrig var internet, for aldrig rainbow. Og så er det her. But some people would describe you as homophobic by what you're saying, that you have a problem with people who are gay. No, I haven't. Right. But I'm saying they're trying to drive into the people. That's why they're trying to get through to the young people. Look, you can do this, and you'll get along better. And if you go for a job, and if you want to go higher, just tell them that you're your different gender, and they'll probably give you for faster than they would the straight person. <laughs> You don't know that, though. You don't know that. Well, well, no, well, no. Don't be in denial, or denial. I'll take off the blinkers. Let me talk to James. Uh, let me talk to... Uh, and before you go, James. I just want one thing, one thing before you go. Yeah. What was said, the lady was on yesterday of our daughter that was after hurting her ankle. Yeah. That fell down the stairs. Yeah. And she said that there was no woman in the hostel to look after or something. Yeah. That she was left there in the bed. Yeah. Well, uh, did I get it right? Did that lady go away, go away on holidays? That same day? I don't recall that part of the story. Well, I think she went away on holidays. What a very good She's very thoughtful. In what, in what way? We went away. Sorry? In what way? Very thoughtful. She wasn't too worried about her face or daughter being in the same hospital. Uh, well, I mean, in well, in fairness, you know, you think that, like, you know, you're getting medical care, you're getting medical care, and all would be well. I don't think they knew at the time that it was a, that it was a bad break in two places. It could have been a sprain. But I she don't did. Right. But she didn't know it, but all she was right. doing all day. Okay, all right. Is she's a great mother. All right, Finbar, you're very past remarkable for Ernestia, but listen, thanks for taking the call all the same. What have I got? Line three. James. Morning, uh, Neil. Go ahead. And I'll get Seamus and Jason on the air, I promise. Go ahead. Uh, regarding Enoch Buck, I would agree really, uh, very much with Maureen there and the other callers. Uh, and this last lady there said nobody should force their beliefs on other people. Yeah. Leave, now, it, out, leave, it, outside, leave it outside the workplace. Go to work, yeah. do your job, and yeah. follow the rules. Yes. That's what Enoch Burke does. Enoch Burke will not stand up in front of the class as a man who is a devout Christian and he will not tell those children, you must believe in God while you're in my class. What's he teaching though? Doesn't matter what he's teaching, Neil. He doesn't, he will not enforce his beliefs onto his children. Yeah, but that's like saying, like you could say that about anything or anyone. You, you, might, be, you might have those beliefs, but why, why do they belong in the workplace? To, uh, on well, the no, other hand, why do they belong in the workplace? You, nobody's defending your right to disagree, but please park it outside of your place of employment. And I say the same to the young lad. Park your beliefs outside the work, outside the school, outside the class. Don't force your beliefs on Enoch Buck, and Enoch Buck won't force his beliefs on you. That's fair now, isn't it? Well, they could have resolved, they could have resolved it all by allowing Enoch Burke to call the lad by his surname. Well, possibly, but uh, uh, also, Neil, we've got to the stage now with this transgenderism where we're sending five-year-olds over to the Tavistock Clinic in England to talk about their gender identity. Why would a five-year-old be burdened with talking about his identity when he should be talking about his toys and Peppa Pig, you know? And the people who are driving that are the LGBTQ. I know. That's, I know. That's, that's way above my pay grade and understanding. Uh, and, and I also know that there's also issues regarding the, reducing the age of, of surgical change. I know all of that. It's, it, it, some might find that alarming. But alarming for a five-year-old to be involved in anything like that, Neil. It's outrageous, well, actually. How can, how, can you, how can you say that, though, if you're not the parent of the five-year-old and seeing the struggles that the child's going through? 
But uh, and on, on the other hand, am I surprised at all this? No. Why? Because we indulge children out to the nth degree. Oh, is it indulging or trying to help them and work through? Ah, indulging. Just, we follow, indulge just pick it up. On, well, you know, maybe we overindulge them now. I don't know. Maybe we uh, just try and make life too soft and mollycoddle them. But that's for that's a different story. I mean, I think uh, children have to be learned that life just is tough. No, but uh, no, just just on that, I have to just fact check what you're saying there. Children in Ireland as young as five are being sent to Britain by the HSE to receive gender treatment according to the Sunday Independent, HSE figures show that 234 children between the ages of 5 and 17 have been referred to the UK for gender treatment since 2011. Yes, 50,000, I see another stat there that says 50, according to, the, according to the figure, 13 children last year were sent to Tavistock and Portman NHS Clinic in the UK. I think there's a cost um, a fifty thousand euro in taxpayers' money was spent by the HSC on the exercise alone last year. So there are the stats for you. Yeah. One last point, uh, Neil. I can assure you, if Enoch Burke was an Islamic teacher uh, of the Muslim faith, who also have a problem with this, Neil, there's no way under sun that school would suspend him. Why? Why they wouldn't, wouldn't they? Dare, Neil. Why wouldn't they? Because to be excused of Islamophobia. They'd be afraid. Uh, so. And you would have people like Dr. Ali Salim coming on. Uh, screaming and roaring they wouldn't just dare Neil mm. they wouldn't dare but he's an Irish Christian so they can do whatever they like with him mm. Mm. well there's yeah I know what you're saying there that they might be very much afraid to in any way uh, oh yes yeah, of course and be, and be brought up in the dial I can assure you Okay, all right. Thanks, Neil. Much obliged. Take care. Uh, what have I got? Line two, is it? Seamus, I think. Yeah, Seamus, morning. Thanks for holding. Sorry for the confusion. Go ahead, Seamus. Oh, it's um, very entertaining listening to some of the dinosaurs you have on this morning. So I, I felt um, compelled to text uh, yeah, in when yeah, I was listening to the morning. Dinosaurs through your eyes, but you know there there are many who don't have the same beliefs as perhaps your good self. But but go ahead anyway. Well, I've, I've heard some you know fairly homophobic and transphobic, and almost you know there was a bit of Islamophobia there as well. It's it, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of. Um, it's a perceived persecution that an Irish Christian male, you know, has an awful time of it. It's, it's, a, it's a fierce, easy way to get through life being an Irish Christian male. I'm an, uh, an straight Irish Christian, or sorry, former Christian uh, atheist male, and, and life's easy. You know, all, all I'm hoping for uh, is that my kids, if they do decide that they present as you know transgender or, or gay or you know Fine Gael supporters, whatever it is that they do, that's out of the norm, and um, the world can accept them. Yeah. And they can be happy, and, and they yeah. can yeah. really feel like they belong in the world. Yeah. You know, and they don't have teachers and people around them telling them that they're wrong every day and that they're bad every day and that they don't belong. You know, it's not a world I want my kids to grow up in. Um, and, and I do. Somebody said it earlier. Like I feel sorry for people who might come out to a parent like that, or or might you know present differently to a parent like that, and be excluded from family and be excluded from society. It is it is very unfair. The Irish uh, Church has has a long history of subjugating people and telling them that they're wrong for their beliefs and telling them that they're they're bad and they're wrong and they're going yeah, to actually for forever. their feelings too, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I watched that uh, imitation game, you know, the movie about Alan Turing the other night, um, and it's it's an exceptional story, but the man was completely uh, abused in the 50s and ended up committing suicide after he was court-compelled to be um, chemically castrated. That's right. Uh, the man invented computers and saved the, the Western world, you know, and, and he was never really acknowledged for it until quite recently. Um, so Broke many the Nazi code, have, but uh, yeah, I mean, historically, going further back, of course, what happened to Oscar Wilde, that... You know, 
and, and, and been taken on a libel case against somebody losing it, then of course being tried for sodomy, spending time in jail, being exiled to France and just dying a miserable death. It's, it's, it's shocking, yeah, it's shocking and repeated so often throughout history. You know, yeah, but not any, it, but thanks be to God, not anymore. You know, it's not tolerated now anymore. I think the, the the voice is still there. The the thoughts are still there. There might not it might not be you know presented by the Irish government. It might not be presented. The, the, the Irish Church might have lost the power to, to punish people in the same way. But um, you know to, to be a gay Catholic in this country would be a horrific experience because you would have to hide yourself. You would have to hide, and, and hiding causes harm. You know, um, covering up causes harm. It's psychological harm to yourself. It causes harm to the people around you. It, it breaks families. It, it breaks. It ruins lives. You know, and, and lives shouldn't be ruined. Lives should but, be embraced for whatever they are. Yeah, but isn't this a big step to ask people to make though? It, you know, on mass. That everybody needs now to move and start thinking that there are more, that there's no such thing as male and female, or you can pick or choose. That, like, Because many people do believe that biologically you're either one or the other and you can't, biologically can't change that. That's just who I, you are. I think it'll be generational change. Like I, I was in school in the 80s and the 90s in East Cork and God help me, there wasn't a single gay person in my school. There never was. You know, there wasn't a single gay teacher. There wasn't a single well, gay person. Well, you know there was the though, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and somebody just said there, you know, where did all the gays come from? They were absolutely crucified and, and subjugated and, and put into the shadows where harm harm was, was caused to them and other people around them because of it. It's just the fact that the lid has been lifted and, and the, the lid is the problem, not, not what's in the past. The the pot is fine. The pot is partly gay. The pot is partly black. The pot is partly Muslim and Catholic. All these things are fine. There's a huge melting pot that is just the world. The lid's gone. And the fear of the people that I'm listening to is that all these nasties will come out. You know, like somebody who's transgender or somebody who's gay or somebody who might believe in a different political system to yourself. They're not the problem. The fear and the subjugation and, and, and the persecution, that's the problem. That's what needs to go. And they will die off generation by generation. And you can see it clearly happen now. Um, so I'm hoping that you know my kids won't have to go through the same thing. And their kids, it'll be an even an even better world that they live in. But would you uh, respect but at the same time, if you're asking people to respect everybody else, would you, you would also respect those that don't believe in transgenderism or don't believe in being able to switch gender or change names or have different pronouns if if that's what they believe. So it's about being tolerant of all beliefs, is it? Yeah, so long as they keep it to themselves, and and if, if my if one of my kids came out as being you know transgender or, or, or homosexual, so long as the teacher shuts his mouth and gets on with his life, so long as that teacher shut uh, you know respects that child and respects that person, um, they they should be excluded from the workplace if they are abusing the people in the workplace and misnaming people and and misgendering somebody is abuse. It is an absolute abuse. Um, I, I would never say that they're not a Catholic. I would say that they're a terrible Christian. If they do behave like that, they're they're completely against the teachings that they would purport to be. Yeah, I know uh, what you're saying. Yeah, that, that really, uh, it, that religion or Christianity or Muslim or Hindu or whatever the case may be does not belong in the workplace. And I think that the, the the teachings of Christianity and the teachings of Catholicism should be adhered to more directly. They they, they speak of love. They speak of you know Jesus being tolerant and open and Jesus accepting so much and Jesus accepting people for who they are and what they are, but they themselves cannot accept anything other than themselves. You know, anybody outside their belief system is wrong. And that's not the teachings of Jesus. That's not the teachings of the original church. Um, it is the teachings of a very repressed current Catholic church 
and going back the last 50, 100 years. But lots of different uh, faiths have very, very fundamental beliefs, not just Christianity. And, you know, I mean, you could look at the Muslim, Muslim faith, which is very, very, I mean, it could be deemed as strict or perhaps even stricter than Christianity. It, in some ways, but the Muslim faith and, and, and you know, imams have never run this country. Imams have never run schools in this country. Uh, it, we're, we're talking directly about, about Irish subjugation through the Catholic Church. Um, if I lived in a country or was raised in a country where Islam was the prevailing faith and, and was hugely involved in education and everything else, I'd be saying the same thing about them, that okay. they need to back off, they need to evolve, they need to oh. really accept that their view of the world is a little bit too narrow and they have to allow for growth. They okay. have to allow for Okay. Hold on there, Seamus. You might be interested in this. Jason, good morning. Jason, can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Yeah, it's not a great phone line, man. Are you uh, are you mobile at the moment? I was stopped in, but I had to move on. Um, I just want, I, I want to put in here. All right, man. I'll talk. Okay, I'll come back in a second after the break. Hold on. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, is that any better for you at this stage, Jason? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, good Hello. man. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Yeah. Neil, uh, when I went to school, your teacher referred to by name and name only, i.e. Jason McGowan, present. Male, so male or female didn't come into it, or genders. You know, who you are outside of school or your workplace is your own business. What you do at home and who you do it with is your own business. You know, mm. Enoch should only refer to that person by their name. They're given name on the role book. You know, um, any person, and be they gay, lesbian, transgender, that's their own personal preference. Yes, but if, they no cha- but if they change their name and they do it legally and follow all of the proper channels in doing it, yes. where, what happens then? then? he should refer to them by the name that is given on the school register and the school register only. Not by their gender, whether they're, you know, you know just by name only in the school. Same as, you know, if you, I'm referring to you as Neil. I know you as Neil Prendiman. Yeah. No. But 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 the schools seem to be very much okay with gender identity changes, and the school seems to be very okay with um, you know the, with the child changing their name from say male to female, female to male. So the the, the yeah, school the school the school name. wanted to take a disciplinary procedure against Enoch because he wasn't okay with it, but the school was. Yes, but he was um, shouldn't have to, re- 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 to refer to a person as gay. It should be by name only. Like, if it's a girl's name, it's a girl's name. It's a boy's name. It's a boy's name. I'm not saying he's he, like he he's making a stand saying he shouldn't have to refer but, to him by gender, as in what they are, what they think they are as a person. They should just be referred to by. Their first name, Michael, Tom, Mary, or Jill. But you couldn't have that where the child would be known by one name outside of school and another name in school. The change has to be all of their life. Understandably, but like this is what I'm saying. He should only refer to a person by name, not by gender, not by sexual preference or any other means. Name only. It's a professional... You know, uh, but his issue was his teacher. issue was calling a transitional student by their new chosen name. He wouldn't do that. 
Well, you see, uh, being, being honest about it, he has to, you know, call him by their registered name. I know it wasn't their first but sure, like name, but if there are, comply with it. He should comply with the name change. Just with, by name only, not by gender. You know, he should only refer to that person by name. If there are rules in the workplace, and even if rules change in the workplace, employees are obliged to follow those rules, aren't they? Yes, they're all obliged. With every rule, you have to you have to apply to the rules. And if you don't, if you don't ab- ab- abide by them, okay, you could have uh, a hearing regarding the matter. Um, you might win or lose the hearing, but let's say you lose it, your choice then is to leave, isn't it? Not so much like, uh, you know, he's in a job and his belief is his belief, but he, like, they should sit down. It shouldn't have gone to court and all this thing. The teachers should have had a meeting and said, like, this is the way it is in schools from now on. If a person changes their name between primary school and secondary school or whatever, whatever name is on that roll book is what you call them in person. But none of this was, like, they just jumped on it because he wouldn't refer to the person because it was one name and now it's another name. Okay, he said, I've been consistent from the start that I'm innocent, that my only crime is that I have expressed my religious belief on transgenderism and I will not surrender that religious belief and call a boy, a girl, or a student by the pronoun they. Yes, but that's what you, a boy, a girl. He he doesn't have to call a boy a girl or a girl a boy. He just has to refer to them by their given name. Okay, and that would solve the issue you're saying. Okay, okay. I think that would be the more logical explanation to sort it out like. Okay, all right. Let me, let me talk to. Okay, I'll take. I'll take. Uh, I'll take a couple of minutes on this and come back to it again. Thank you for that. I see other calls on it, but I just want to flip, if you don't mind, and I can come back to this again in the morning. There's not a problem in the wide earthly world there, but of course we also have uh, day four of our giveaways in association with Welling Airlines. Your opportunity to take you and a loved one off to Paris for the weekend. And getting some really good and entertaining stories and calls on this. Um, so let's get stuck into that, lads, and get some stories on the air and pick a qualifier for today. The final is tomorrow. Someone's going to win it. Wonderful weekend for two. Hotel accommodation. You'll fly out of Cork Airport with Vwelling Airlines off to Paris for the weekend. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. All right, Siobhan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you I'm, this morning? I'm feeling your pain. So you, you have, I'll go back to the start in a second, but you, you've organised the date. You know you're meeting yes. him in the pub. You can't remember yes. what he looked like. You go yes. into the pub and there's six, other, there's six men in total and you, you yes. don't know which one of them is the date. Anyway. I don't know which one of them is the date. All right, and I, then, I'll come, I'll come and then to, the picture. I'll come to that in a second, but re, rewind back. It's like the old story. I met my lover in the grocery store, is it? Well, I met him at the checkout at Tesco. There's a song in that. <laughs> Honestly, no, and um, we were both customers. I don't work for Tesco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how, did, how did you get chatting in the line? Well, we didn't really get chatting. His sister was there as well, and she was just chit-chatting. It was before, just before Christmas. And she said, oh, this is my brother. I didn't know she even had a brother. And I said, oh, nice. Happy Christmas. Didn't know anything about him. So... He just shook my hand and he said to me, Happy Christmas. And I said, Happy Christmas to you. Didn't even know the man's name. Yeah, yeah. And off they went. And some, how long ago was this, incidentally? 
Uh, it's just just got three years. Okay. It's Christmas okay. 2019. So you wind on a few weeks then. You meet her again, yes. is it? I meet her on the main street in the town. And she's just asking generally how was Christmas. I said fine. And then she said, my brother was talking about the lovely lady he met in Tesco. And I said, oh, lucky him. And I didn't know who she was talking about. It was you, right. So It was me, but I didn't know because... I didn't remember meeting them in the test office. He didn't. He didn't leave. An, he didn't leave any impact at that stage. But yeah, I didn't. I was running and racing. It was Christmas week, and the checkouts were full. And and I go to the local gym, and I was thinking, how did I know him? <laughs> you, you then know? you then gave her your mobile to give to him. Is that right? Yes. I uh, yeah. She had my my mobile only because she knew me. And she said, "I have your number. Can I pass it on?" Yeah. Yeah. I said, sure, why not? And so he passed, she passed on my number and I got a text message going, hi, Siobhan, this is Tony, Siobhan's brother. It's all Siobhan's, isn't it? Siobhan here, it's Siobhan one, Siobhan. Siobhan two. Yeah. And Siobhan three. So when you make <laughs> three? <laughs> three Siobhan. Who's the third Siobhan? <laughs> His ex-wife is the third Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so then when we go anywhere and they'll say, oh, hello, and they'll say, hello, and you're Siobhan, and I say, yes, but not the Siobhan you think I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the third version, Siobhan. Mark I'm the third, number th- I'm number three. How did you get around the bar, though? Because you couldn't remember what he looked Why didn't you Google him and see what he looked like? I did try. I, did, I went on Facebook, and he's not on Facebook, <laughs> and I looked at his sister's profile. There was no photograph of him on it, <laughs> and I was like, okay. So it was a Saturday just before Women's Little Christmas, so the pub was full. We'd arranged to meet at the local pub, and <laughs> uh, he said he'd be sitting at the bar. So I get dressed up, and I said, look, I'm, I know the people in the bar that work there anyway, so... I wasn't going to look like a sore thumb. Yeah. I walked in and there were six men sitting in the bar. <laughs> Take your and pick. But surely we'd have gone one know. of their faces must have rang a bell woman. No, because they were all their backs were to me. <laughs> okay, all right. So I walk in and next thing he stands up and he says, um, you must be Siobhan. And I said, yeah, you must be my dean. <laughs> <laughs> At least he so made the, the least he, he made the first move. <laughs> well, it's not that I got out the other door. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So he, I'm sitting on the chair. He's standing at the chair, and there was an elderly man sitting beside him. And she, he said, he said to me, "You know now, Siobhan, he was very anxious all evening." I said, "Was he? He was very anxious all evening." He said, he's talking about this woman that was going to turn up to eat him, but she, he wasn't too sure what she looked like. How long, was he, how long was he in the pub in that kind of a predicament? He wasn't half caught he around was the there, Oh, he was there a good half an hour, oh, half an hour. All right, that's acceptable. So, yeah, yeah. so you fell in love anyway? Well, he said to me then that evening, can I see you again? And I said, you can, but you can see me in two weeks' time. And he said to me, why? Because I have children, and they're grown up, and his children are grown up. And he said, why? And I said, sure, you know, family life and everything. He said, I live only 10 minutes out the road. He says, can I see you again? And yeah. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a thing. So that was it. So, the, um, so that's the running joke with the family is he's looking for the receipt to return me to Tesco. <laughs> one, of the, one of the upsides to this, if he ever dreams of his ex-wife and says it out loud in his sleep, there'll be no, you won't be able to prove anything. <laughs> 
Exactly, and also he can spell my name. <laughs> oh, so man, I love it. You love couldn't it. write it, Neil, even if it. you tried. I love it. Thanks, Siobhan. Stay listening. Pascal, good morning. How you doing? All right, my man, tell us your tale. Oh, jeez, we had a disaster first date. I, um, Back 11 years ago, you picked her up 11 the van, years ago, jeez, could even, yeah, 11 and a half, no, I'd say, yeah. yeah. I um, collected her in the van about 7 o'clock, I'd say, and we said we go for a spin down to Corbini for a walk in the woods or whatever. Nice idea, um, fair play to you. The van broke down on the way down, so we got it going again after a few minutes. It limped about another 200 metres and packed in completely. So I was inside the engine trying to get it going, coming out covered in oil. I had to ring the brother to come collect us because the van wasn't going to go anywhere. She wanted to go home. I talked her into going to Douglas to McDonald's. So the brother dropped us to McDonald's, went into Douglas, ordered two meals and a couple of, um, a cup of tea and turned around had left the wallet in the van. <laughs> so she had to pay for the McDonald's. <laughs> Then I was going to walk her home up Melbourne Hill. It started raining and we had to get a taxi. So she had to pay for her own taxi home and then give me money so I could get the taxi home from her house. <laughs> and was me, was me, I mean, no disrespect. I love a good quarter pounder with cheese myself. But could you not raise the game a bit now on a first date? Uh, we just, she was, we weren't that, we were just getting to know each other. We said we'd go to Douglas, to McDonald's. Uh, sure, McDonald's that, is good enough for the first outing, go I Go home quickly, like, uh, <laughs> and I, so I, I was covered in oil and engine. You aren't going to be walking into any, a restaurant or anything covered in dust from trying to fix a van. <laughs> Did you go away then or something, was it? I went to Qatar then for a few weeks, uh, a couple of months, walked in, yeah, and came back and um, just said I chanced my arm and give her a text to apologise, why not, and... We ended up going out again another few times, and as I said, 11 years later, you know, I'm in Nari, and we've two kids together, so. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, what, 11 years ago. You were What were you doing in Qatar, incidentally? I was building a equestrian centre for the king's wife. You're joking me. Really? Yeah. Well, I was doing parts, but I wasn't doing the whole thing. Like. Did you enjoy it out there? Oh, yeah, I thought, well, it was, yeah, it was good. It was an eye-opener to see if that, that type of culture and stuff like yeah I know with Qatar very much in the news but I'd say was there good money though oh unbelievable yeah that time no when I was out there they, they got the World Cup when we were out there and tell me did you settle down then with uh, with Kira? any kids or anything like that oh yeah we've two kids now we've a 10 year old girl and a 3 year old boy yeah so isn't it an amazing thing that you made the follow up call you know just to chance your arm again it paid off Oh yeah, it was. It took me a call. I wrote. I'd say I wrote a text message about five times and deleted it. And in the end, said if you're going to do it, just do it. The worst she can do is not reply. The worst she can do is ignore you. Fair play. I love it. Stay listening, Pascal. I'm just trying my best to squeeze one more in. Georgia, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I have only about three minutes, so I don't mean to do a disservice to you, but share your story if you don't mind, or on whose behalf you're sharing it, anyway. Yeah, so it's about my parents. So uh, years ago, they met at a disco, but so obviously they hit it off. So they decided to go on a date the next morning. Is this Cork? Because I know you're, I know you're in Budapest, but we're talking about a Cork story, are we? Um, no, my parents are from Dublin. Okay, well we'll 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 allow that too. Go ahead. So they met at a disco. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they met at a disco. They hit it off, and then the next day they decided to go for a date. But they uh, they obviously didn't hit it off too much because they actually neither of them showed up in the end. <laughs> so <laughs> so they well, gave, as we say in Cork, they gave each other a fifty. Right. 
<laughs> maybe my dad showed up I don't know he'd never tell me but uh, sure uh, they actually ended up going on a double date with my auntie and uncle because my auntie my uncle was obsessed with my mum's sister so it worked out in the end how did it They're work out though they, they went on a blind date not knowing that they yeah. were going to meet each other obviously so basically yeah basically yeah because my uncle well now uncle is best friends with my dad so he basically convinced them, didn't say who it was. And yeah, basically they were like, oh yeah, yeah we've met before. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, a little embarrassing for a while until they got over that. And how yeah. long ago were they, how long are they married now? 35 years now. Isn't that amazing? The way things happen and can play out like that. Yeah. And what is, what is a girl, not from Cork, from Wicklow, with Dublin parents in Budapest, <laughs> listening to me on a Cork radio station. Because I love to listen to talk shows when I'm studying. I'm doing vet med over here. A bunch of my friends are from Cork, so um, I love listening to talk shows whenever I'm studying, so it really helps. You're doing veterinary medicine in Budapest. Have you been there long? Yeah. Uh, this is my third year. I just finished my exams today, so... Do you love I'm it? I'm so happy with it. I am most of the time, yeah, but it's tough. It's super tough. Yeah, but when you have time off, isn't Budapest the most beautiful city? It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, Especially Christmas time was gorgeous. It's packed, though. Oh, yeah. You can't even walk down the streets. It's crazy. Yeah, but were you there for Christmas? No, you weren't home? Um, I came home for a little bit, and then I had two more exams. Then when I came back, because it's it's a long exam period. It's before Christmas, and it's after Christmas. So it's not like one or the other like we have at home you know I know but certainly the Christmas markets in Europe are gorgeous I could talk to you all day about those but listen thanks for (laughs) sharing the story about your parents and thank you so much for listening thank you take care take care actually talk about Christmas markets and overseas I was talking about and I won't do any more spoilers on the Banshees of Inishirin but I had never watched um, the movie In Bruges. I tried to watch it once and gave up after about 10 minutes but because of the combo between the two lads in 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 uh, in Banshees, I said we'd watch it again, and we had another go of it last night, and we watched the whole thing. I thought it was lovely. I thought it was a great film. It was kind of funny, but it was quite sad as well in places. So I'm glad I actually got to watch in Bruges all these years later. But certainly Bruges came across as the most beautiful, beautiful city, particularly at Christmas time. Listen, I wish I had more time. We'll give it some more time tomorrow for another few of the stories, and we'll have our day five giveaway then for Welling Airlines trip to Paris for you and whomever you choose to take with you. But I'm going to go out on a flyer on this one and I'm going to give it to Pascal uh, because that was a lovely story. I mean, it went from bad to worse with the going to Currybinny, the van breaking down, covered in oil, then going to Douglas, going into McDonald's, not having the money, her having to pay. That, you know, it, it's just a lovely story and it's beautifully told and they're, they're happily ever after. So well done to you, Pascal. Into tomorrow's Friday. Friday's final you go. But we'll have more calls on this, so get involved. If you have a story to share, text 0868104106. Email Neil at redfm.ie and we'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.